genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez and the Electric Mayhem. Today, we continue our mini-series on the Muppets franchise with 1992's instant holiday classic, The Muppet Christmas Carol. And we have a guest joining us to talk about ghosts, greed, and the biggest turkey money can buy is Ripley Green. Welcome, Ripley. I am here for the food. Uh, hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so there's a lot of stuff to cover um, in the uh, in the before uh, the development of this movie. No, nothing um, happened since the last movie y'all covered. <laughs> yeah, I uh, know. Just just a, a a sprawling story of corporate espionage um, and death. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, uh, be- very much. But, be- but before we get there, um, Ripley, uh, do you have any kind of connection to the Muppets at all? Like you know, just uh, yeah. <laughs> is it like, like a literal... passing interest, feigning interest for you? <laughs> you know, I, I I watched this movie last week. It was called uh, uh, Muppets from Space, and I thought, wow, there must be more top tier <laughs> content starring these characters. Who are uh, these guys? So. I, <laughs> I, I went and uh, watched. Uh, oh God, I can't even think of a ter- another terrible Muppet thing right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, I love the Muppets, everyone. Uh, I'm actually um, uh, officially my gender is Muppet. Like I'm non-binary, mm. and my officially I've declared my my gender to be Muppet. So very very important franchise to me. Um, this is right in the era. 1992 would have been the area when I was really starting to like figure out like what the Muppets were. I think you know, I would have been five when this movie came out, and like mm. before then, I know I had been to Hollywood Studios or you know MGM at the time, and I'd definitely done Muppet Vision 3D. And I think by this point, Muppets were just sort of these characters that just appeared. You know, there there would just be there at some point, and I didn't quite know what they were from, but I enjoyed them when I saw them, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, this movie was Muppets for me for a very, very long time. Just was mm-hmm. the, like, this is what the Muppets did. They retold stories. I didn't even really, I, at that, this time I wasn't really even aware of the sort of, like, vaudeville or, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, variety show aspect of the Muppets. I just thought, like, oh, yeah, they just, like, go and they recreate stories, and that was what they were. And... I just I love this movie so much. I'm a huge Christmas movie person and Muppet Christmas Carol is my I'm about to go to sleep on Christmas Eve movie. I need one more sleep till Christmas and will put this on and like let myself like drift off to dream <laughs> like before. Mm. It's good. It's a good movie, y'all. <laughs> um yeah, it's my it's my Chris, Christmas morning uh movie. Um, mm-hmm. This is the one that I throw on every Christmas morning while we're like 
either opening gifts or having breakfast or whatever. Like it's kind of just on in the background. Um, that's that's my that's my Christmas morning. This is the sound of Christmas morning to me. Is, uh-huh. is this movie? Um, so uh, watching it in September for everyone listening to this was uh, weird. Uh, <laughs> wow, but I can't we did it. You're the one to date the podcast. You never do that. I know, I know, but I think it's important that we uh, we let the listeners know what we're sacrificing for doing mm-hmm. this mini series for them. We're um, sacrificing by watching one of the greatest. <laughs> greatest Christmas yeah. films of all time. Uh, sure, but like not like we're 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 so close to Christmas, but it's like the opposite of Christmas right now. We're, we're peeking at our presents early. Is what's going on? Yeah, it's weird. Um, it feels it weird. feels a little. It feels kind of like um, going into like a a Halloween specialty store, like <laughs> yeah, prior, and you're like, oh, I guess this is still around year round, like. I guess I could do this whenever I wanted. <laughs> right. Uh, right. And but what what I kind of found I found the silver lining because I was belly aching about it at the end of last episode rip. But uh <laughs> a, an advantage of watching this movie early is it's one less like oh I got to I got to watch Muppet Christmas Carol before the holidays over now it's like I already did that. Now I have more time to watch well, like see, Love Actually or Now Elf. you're just <laughs> talking nonsense. You need to watch Muppets again. <laughs> I'm not a big my rewatching habits are pretty like it takes a lot for me to like well like Elf is probably my family's Christmas Day movie mm. where it can be on like as we're making breakfast like post presents because we know it so well. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. um God, there's so much I want to say about what you were your 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 intro though, Ripley, because like I am a nineties kid and so growing up I also, now that I think about it, I hadn't thought about this, but I kind of did see the Muppets in the same way of like, oh yeah, they're like Wishbone. Right, yes, that's a perfect way to put it. And like the vaudeville comedy troupe aspect was more of like Gen X's relationship with the Muppets because like that was their vibe in that era. And I think now with the Jason Segel era and that kind of like vaudeville you know let's put on a show it's time to light the lights is kind of like nostalgic because mm-hmm. people jason siegel's age started writing and directing movies and running studios mm-hmm. and so now i think in like five to ten years the next mm-hmm. creative people that are like let's bring the muppets back they're going to be closer to our age oh that's and, interesting so you, you think know, we're going to get like more how, of these more of these sort of wishbone style stories I think so. Kind of like how it's like, oh, cool. We're, we we've gotten to the Beast Wars part of nostalgia. <laughs> <laughs> I I bet we get at least one more um, like this. That is like a a a retelling of a classic story mm-hmm. um, again, uh, as in that nostalgic way, like yeah. how the prequels are back now. And you especially know? how those <laughs> sure, uh, yeah, that meme yeah. that goes around every every so often, like oh, well, if you could change any movie with. But keep one character mm-hmm. that goes around sure. every like three months. It's gotta. Sure. It's gotta happen. It's sure. what the people want. It's what the streets want. That being said, because Disney uh, now owns the Muppets, uh, something I'm going to go uh, very uh, deep and far in depth into uh, uh, in in a few oh, minutes. <laughs> um, yeah. But but now that now that now that Disney does own the Muppets, I wouldn't be surprised if instead of like a classic story of literature. Or something that um, it's the Muppets, like it's like the Muppets Marvel Studios or the Muppets Avengers or that would be the Muppets so Star Wars. 
um, yeah, like the or something like that. Because they've been down. yeah, because they've been doing that with the with the with the Simpsons. Um, and that feel I feel like Muppet Star Wars makes the most sense in terms mm-hmm. of like a quote unquote classic story that everyone kind of knows the beats of, but now it's with Muppets. Yeah, you could easily do that. Um, that's oh, you can that's... cast Mark Hamill as Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> oh, that's, that would uh, be clever. Yeah, that's what I would expect to happen, but um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, mm, they can uh, Muppet where the crawdads sing. <laughs> sure. Um, I did. Does Disney own that? Is that a Disney? Is that a Fox? Is it a Fox uh, movie? Maybe is it, it is. a Fox movie? Twentieth Century Studios movie. <laughs> uh, Nick, when was the first time you saw a Muppet the, the Muppet Christmas Carol? Do you remember? I do. So. I remember being a kid in like the late nineties, maybe the early two thousands, but mm-hmm. like young. Um, and you know, I was scared of a lot of random things as a kid. I was scared of gremlins. I was kind of scared of Beetlejuice. Uh huh. Um, like random things were like, I can't watch, can't watch this. But but young Nick said, but not that little girl Muppet. That little girl Muppet is my best friend. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, be, oh. I, I mean to go straight to go straight to the punchline. Um, I one night I was like, on, it was on TV, the Muppet Christmas Carol, and it was yeah. like, oh okay, cool, that makes sense. Yeah, that they did this. So you know, I, I started watching it, and yeah, I saw the child, the Mupp, the Ghost of Christmas Past Muppet, and it was the scariest thing I had ever seen. <laughs> Truly, one like, of the most hor- I, it might be the most horrifying uh, Muppet that they've ever created uh, over <laughs> over at that place. Those when guys. She like, says, "Your salvation." Then I'm yeah. like, "Oh God, no, no, thank you." Yeah, well, horrifying. Why are you part and, of this. And so <laughs> it put me off the movie for years, years, <laughs> and it was not a part of my childhood Christmas diet tradition. Um, but I love A Christmas Carol. It's one of my favorite stories in fiction. So I grew up watching like Flintstones, Christmas Carol, uh, <laughs> Mr. Magoo's Christmas, Christmas, Mickey Christmas Carol, of course. Yeah. Um, so I was in college. I was like in my early twenties and this had become part of, you know, the ABC family, 25 days of Christmas or whatever. Um, or maybe it was AMC. I watched this on cable when, when I was home for the holidays and it just hit me right between the eyes and i was like this is amazing the music's so great michael kane is great i'm crying this is like peak christmas carol and so ever since then it's become part of my and now it's like secret quotes are all, all over this movie for me oh I, yeah i think this movie is like running in my head at all times so it really didn't feel that weird watching it in september <laughs> okay that, well that's good um uh okay so this movie opens in 1992 um, uh, my parents got divorced in 1990 or 89, 89, 90, something like that. I don't know. I was too young to remember. So um, you saw this movie twice in theaters? No, I did not. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, so in the beginning of, of the divorce, my dad had custody for Christmas and for summer. Um, and it wasn't until my grandparents got divorced a few years later that, um, they stopped doing Christmas cause it was like, there, there was no like Christmas that was really happening, um, on my dad's side of things. So, um, it just became summer at that point. But at this point I was still going to see them for Christmas. And, um, one of my earliest movie going memories where I kind of remember the whole deal, 
Um, you know, we talked about this in Jurassic Park, how when I saw Jurassic Park, it was a, in a double feature because we couldn't get into one because it was sold out. Um, and we couldn't get into Jurassic Park because it was sold out. So we went and saw Last Action Hero and then saw Jurassic Park right after. And it was like one of the greatest movie going experiences <laughs> of my childhood. Um, Sounds very, like a good day. Yeah. Very <laughs> like fundamentally like brain forming, <laughs> um, uh, taste forming. It's and a uh, simil- event. we can't interrupt it. Yeah. yeah. And similarly, um, that happened with this because uh, for those of you who don't know or don't have never really contextualized this there were three major releases happening all at once at this time and we saw all three that day um we saw aladdin we saw muppet christmas carol and we saw home alone 2 lost in new york jesus christ all in a all in a single day um and you know what helps childhood i was in heaven um absolute (laughs) heaven as a child Um, what helps is uh you got two 90 minute movies in there yeah oh god that's so good what a great lineup yeah because how long is well in lost new york isn't that much longer right yeah it's probably an hour 45 hour 50 yeah that's funny it always feels longer because i always watch it with commercials oh Uh, true true got a Um, for me that, oh, that is the Coke. I think that's the last one we went to because when we because what happened was we showed up to the theater to go to like a matinee of Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. It was sold out and it was sold out until like the evening. And so my dad bought tickets for the evening show and then was like, we're going to go see two other movies while we wait because we don't have anything else to do. And so we saw we we watched um, we watched uh, Muppet Christmas Carol first, then Aladdin, then Home Alone to Lost in New York. Um, and it was a great yeah, day. Home Alone's I a flat, still... two, two, flat two hours. Wow. Oh, OK. Yeah. So I still I still remember um, my dad's like the way that he laughed at certain things that happened in lost in New York. Like his very specific laugh is like, just like melded into my brain in those moments. Like, uh, like, like the people who remember like watching a tape of a movie and knowing when the commercials and which commercials show up. That's how I feel like about my dad's laugh in lost, Uh (laughs) lost in New York. Um, but yeah, uh, I, 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 you know, I loved this movie and I loved the Muppets and it was very exciting to see the Muppets on the big screen, uh, something I had not experienced yet at that point. Um, and, you know, I was already a huge fan of Muppet Babies and everything. And, um, you know, there's that that aspect of, you know, this being the first non Jim Muppet movie. Uh, Muppet thing, period. Um, post gem, yeah, post gem. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember my dad being like, "Oh, the the new Kermit did a really good job," and but it didn't even occur to me that it was a new voice mm. because mm-hmm. I was so used to the Muppet Babies having a Kermit that wasn't Jim that it just didn't mm-hmm. even register to me that it was a different voice. That's funny because I I didn't mention I did watch a lot of Muppet Babies in this era too. So I I'm probably about the same thing like going back and watching the original movies, the original shows for me was a bit of an adjustment because Whitmire was my was my yeah. Kermit. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um so yeah, 
this movie's great. I've watched it pretty much every Christmas uh, since. Um, this was definitely a regular rotation uh, kind of thing, and um, it's uh, no. I mean, it's 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 a classic for a reason. I mean, it's it's just a unstoppable Christmas juggernaut. This movie, I think, um, I'm the juggernaut Christmas. Honestly, it's <laughs> honestly it's even the uh, I would say, despite the fact that like it wasn't a massive box office success because um, Lost in New York took a lot of the wind out of its uh, box. It's it's Christmas box office sales. <laughs> um, not enough to not set sail in a few years, though. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, despite that fact, like I do think that Muppet Christmas Carol is remembered as much more of a holiday classic than Lost in New York. Um, For sure. Yeah. Uh, it's just and, and honestly, in general, like Home Alone doesn't hit everybody, you know? Like that franchise mm-hmm. doesn't like some people like me. Ironically, like, I, I watch it almost every year because I love the first Home Alone. Right. Um, I very rarely watch the second one, but I love the first one. Uh, but I think for some people, they're just like, no, it's too violent or it's just it's not Christmassy enough. And it just. Yeah. But it's like, well, I don't know. When you're a kid in the 90s, like it rules. Macaulay Culkin yeah. is the coolest guy on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I get um, this feeling. I almost want to say that I've, I've we've had this conversation on a podcast before, but I kind of think that I can look at someone and kind of suss out what holiday movie was part of their childhood because whenever i hear someone because like yeah whenever i hear someone say like oh my god every christmas you know my my family would watch national lampoon's christmas and i'm like you have the vibe of someone who watched Mm -hmm. national lampoon's christmas every year yeah or oh you were definitely a white christmas family like (laughs) oh sure yeah Yeah. like Uh, you've (laughs) <laughs> yeah. very like everyone's all dressed up like you're going to church but they're watching white christmas yeah talking about how yeah. drag is Ill- immoral but then uh no kids. Then, of course there's an entire scene where they're in drag in that movie oh, oh see man. it's funny it's silly um, do, that foolish that they're doing that sisters, do i have the sisters. do i have the vibe oh. of of someone who's uh who's whose family watched christmas vacation Every year while I left the room and went to my room to to dupe to play with whatever I got for Christmas that year because I had no interest in watching that movie <laughs> because that's Fuck who I was. I love Christmas Vacation. I, yeah. I, I love that movie. No, but no, 100% Scott, that's your vibe. It's like, nope, I know what's going on here. This is not my vibe. <laughs> I'm good. I, I, I've Call seen, me I've out when you put it up a Christmas Carol. mugs. I've seen it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, I feel similarly uh, about a Christmas story. Um, I yeah. feel lucky that I got to kind of, I'm at that weird, you know, target age where I got to watch it before it became like a Denny's commercials, oh. and so it still felt like a little secret of like this weird movie from the '80s that bombed, and then enough people like me started doing that every year, and then by the time we started getting into the tens. It had become like you know you go to Spencer's Gifts and you see like the leg lamp or uh-huh. and the the TBS movie marathon um, mm-hmm. of just like playing for it sure. on a loop for twenty four hours. I still think it's really good though, and <sighs> yeah, I, it's it's such a I yeah, I, I love loved it as a kid and like I loved it because my dad loved it as a kid. I've gone back and watched it and like oh god, it I I struggle with it these days. I used to say I love that movie and I'm starting to go no I don't. 
Mm. Oh man, I love the mom. I love the dad. They're such human performances. I they love are. how what a piece of shit Ralphie is. Like like every <laughs> kid is. <laughs> Um, I watched the uh, the sequel more than uh, a Christmas story. Oh, the summer one. I, yeah, yeah. I've my literally summer never story. seen it. Yeah, I thought I hallucinated story. that for a long time. Yeah, with Mary Steenburgen as the as the yeah. mom, and she's collecting the plates at the at the movie theater showings. Um, See, but I didn't even remember it being a summer. I was like, what was that movie that was on Disney Channel where they would play marbles, and it was like yeah. narrated by an adult, and like what? <laughs> What was that? And then I'm like, yeah. holy shit, that was a sequel to A Christmas Story. <laughs> I know. <laughs> With none you, of the original actors. <laughs> do you all know the Dirt Bike Kid? That rings a bell. It's got Peter Billingsley in it, and it's literally wow. a Christmas story, but he wants a dirt bike. Oh. Like, it's, wow. Fr- it, it, I think it came out maybe before A Christmas Story. I don't know. It's... Uh. Anyway, it's it, crazy. It, it really sucks to be typecast. Uh, <laughs> they really made a lot of shit in that time period. I saw a trailer on Twitter like a few weeks ago for a buddy cop movie with Danny Glover and Martin Short. And Martin Short was like, I'm clumsy. Like, literally, it was like, I'm clumsy and I'm falling. And that was like a whole movie that came out like in March of 89 <laughs> or something. Yeah. Oh, and by, by the way, the dirt bike in the dirt bike kid is like uh-huh. Kit. From Knight Rider. It, it oh, it can talk? Yeah, it's like anthropomorphic, sort of. Oh, well, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> what if, uh, that changes Sorry, things. I'm like, I'm burying the lead here on the third <laughs> What if... Uh, what was it, the end was the... it voiced by Dom DeLuise? Because that was, <laughs> no, was, that, was a, that was a lot of stuff back then, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah <that's> <laughs> Man, what if when Ralphie was out there with his Red Rider BB gun in the backyard, you went like, Ralphie. <laughs> Ralphie, it's me. It's the gun. Talk, Ralphie. <laughs> what? what? It's me, Tom Deloise. <laughs> no! <laughs> I don't want to do Tom Deloise. Deloise telling Ralphie to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> do it, Ralph. I, I've never tried to do a Tom Deloise before. It's too hard. I, he's so specific. It's like trying to yeah. do a Gilbert Godfrey, you know? It's just. Yeah. 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 Or Donald Duck, you know? Yeah. You can either do it's it or rough. you can't. I feel um, like every, well, no, I feel like everyone can do 20%, but then anyone else can do 100%. Like, you, you either do 20% or you're perfect at it. Right, that's true. You know, the Muppets don't really have a Donald. Like, in terms of vocal difficulty to, oh. like, recreate. Yeah. Like, I think... Yeah. I can't think of a Muppet that's, like, really hard to try and sound like. No, I, I think you might be right about that. I wonder if that's because, you know, we've talked about what a laborsome process Muppeteering is. It is. Right. You know, and maybe it would be too much for there to be like a Donald Duck kind of like Marge Simpson-y voice, you know? Right. Yeah, that's true. Speaking Um, of, uh, I have a better appreciation right now for the the athleticism of Muppeteering. My my partner's got me a, a Muppet of me for my birthday. And... Like I've been using it in my classroom, and my shoulders have been like so sore the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you're just like lifting it up above your head all the time. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a lot. Yeah, I love for it, sure. It's, it's been fun. They 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 probably all have uh, all had amazing posture though. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like Doug Jones or something. Yeah, all that upper arms, upper arm and shoulder strength. They probably had just incredible posture. Um. <laughs> 
Well, uh, to talk about the Muppet Christmas Carol, we have to go all the way back to 1984, the year after uh, Muppets take Manhattan. They took Manhattan. They took it. They ran with it. And then then Jim Hansen said, uh, no more Muppet movies. Let's focus on other things. Um, And Frank Oz's uh, directing career uh, kicked off. You know, he went from the uh, Muppets take Manhattan to little shop of horrors to dirty rotten scoundrels. And, and I mean, it just shot off like a rocket from there. Um, And, uh, and Jim went and directed labyrinth. um, And it was at, it was around this time in 1984 when Disney was in dire straits. Now something that uh, should be known about Jim Henson is that um, his, absolute hero the person that he admired the most professionally uh was walt disney uh guy was his hero and he he's often said like the only movies that he owned other than his own were uh the walt disney animated films um he loved disney he loved uh, you know, what they did in animation. That's like always what he was striving to be doing um, with uh, with the Muppets. It's why, you know, he was so determined to get out of like the Muppet troupe and start doing other things like your Dark Crystal and your Labyrinth because he wanted to um, expand on what people uh, uh, expected from, from uh, puppet feature films. Um, the way that Disney did with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, uh, etc. Um, Fantasia, that sort of thing. So, um, Disney in 1984 was in dire straits. They'd had their worst decade ever uh, in the 70s, and it wasn't looking like things were improving, uh, rolling into the 80s. And there was a point where um, the guy in charge, uh, whose name I don't have because it doesn't really matter, um, the guy in charge was thinking about, uh, I think, is it Sid Seinberg? Is that is that who it was? Um, he was trying to sell off Disney. Basically, he was like, I'm going to tear it down and I'm going to sell the parts. Um, and everybody's going to get rich uh, because everybody wants a piece of Disney, literally. Um, and I'm going to sell it to him. And, uh, and, and basically, like, Roy Disney and the Disney family were just like, the hell you are. Get the <laughs> hell out of here. Um, and got rid of him. But in that period, uh, Jim actually stepped in and was like, Hey, um, I mean, I, I would run the Disney company, uh, if you guys were interested and for, there was like a split second where like, uh, they were like, well, I, that's not, <laughs> it's not a bad idea. Um, because like, we don't have a creative per, we haven't had a creative person in charge since Walt. Um, this wouldn't be a bad move. But then, you know, corporate stuff and stockholders and things like that all got involved. And eventually the gig went to the 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 team of uh, Frank Wells and and uh, and and Eisner, Um, which, you know, carry Disney into the Renaissance and and uh, and and beyond. And they did incredible stuff throughout the 80s and 90s. Um, for that company, but uh, there was a time where uh, where where Jim was thinking about literally buying Disney <laughs> because that's how low it was worth that he had enough money that he could just buy it. Um, wow, crazy yeah. to think about. I know, crazy. Wow. Uh, cut to 1989. 
Um, Jim is now uh, in charge of this new show called the Jim Henson Hour, which was meant to be a primetime showcase of all the puppet stuff that they've been working on. Um, and it's, so it's sketches and it's all kinds of things. But w- the criticisms of the show were that like it felt very mismanaged and it felt very uh, uh, like just creatively all over the place. Um, and the reason that a lot of people that everyone involved sort of felt this way was that Jim had lost focus on the creative part of what they were doing. And was because the Jim Henson uh, company had gotten so large and there was so much that he was responsible for that his focus was split across all of these things. And he wasn't able to focus on the art and the creative side of what they were doing, and the Jim Henson Hour suffered as a result. Um, and so it was around this time that he got the idea of like, well, that Eisner and Wells guys, they seem to be doing pretty good over at Disney. I He always liked the idea of the Muppets and Disney, to the point where the, the Jim Henson Productions logo is just a riff on the Walt Disney Pictures logo with the signature and everything. Um, and so, yeah, he was like, why don't we, why don't we sell to Disney? Um, and so he reached out to Eisner and, uh, talked about selling, uh, selling everything. And, um, you know, one of the things that, one of the, one of the things that Eisner really wanted was Sesame Street. And that's something that, um, Jim refused to sell. Uh, he wanted to keep Sesame Street in the, um, public television landscape uh because he didn't he didn't like the idea and no one at sesame street everyone at sesame street hated the idea of like you know bert and ernie hawking disney products or you know meet mickey mouse or whatever it just felt gross as opposed to like the muppets it didn't feel as gross with them um but for some reason with sesame street because they're like educational characters it just Felt gross, and nobody wanted to be a part of that. So yeah. um, he Any left them off that the table. Sesame Street would have to be a real asshole. Yeah, so <laughs> they, felt, they they left that on the table. They left that off the table. Um, but despite this, Eisner referred to the buying of Jim Henson Productions as Project Big Bird. Um, and at any time. Any any time that he could find an opportunity, he would make Sesame Street references or bring up Sesame Street characters <laughs> because he was really trying to be like, see, we love Sesame Street. We want they wanted everything. Um, a real real dick corporate move, but that's what he was doing. Um, and and Jim was really annoyed by that, which shut him down immediately every single time. He was like, I can't emphasize this enough. It's never going to happen. Um, <laughs> Good for and Jim. Uh, oh, yeah, so so you know this whole uh, journey of selling um, to Disney uh, happened over the course of about twelve months, um, and it was the thing that Jim wasn't used to was like he wanted he he shook Eisner's hand and said like we're going to do this thing, and they announced it and everything. Um, and, you know, started working on, uh, projects and things like that. Um, but what Jim wasn't prepared for was how in the weeds Disney's legal team would be about the purchasing of, uh, of Jim Henson Productions. And to the point where like they talk about this in, in his book, um, they talk about the fact that one of the things that the Disney lawyers were hung up on were that, um, the elevators in the building in New York 
for Jim Henson Productions, which would then be owned by Disney, they were not fully operational. Most people had to use the stairs most days. Um, so they were like, you have to fix that before we're willing to buy your company. Because we don't want to pay to fix the elevator. You need to do that beforehand. Um, what? Sort yeah, sort of like 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 how <laughs> how like how somebody's selling a car and you're like, hey, I'm not gonna I'll, I'll buy the car if you put new tires on it, you know, or I'll, right. you know I'll I'll buy the car before if you if you put a new transmission in it or something like that. Right. Um, like, they like there was a hail like we had our inspection on our house and then there was a hailstorm literally that night so we had them reinspect it like yeah i get it but you're fucking <laughs> disney you can fix the elevators yeah yeah i know i know um <laughs> but that, 80s, that was man yeah, but that was the thing and and jim and and that whole company's sort of corporate philosophy was much more you know, Grateful Dead, you know, it was very much like just relaxed and whatever. And like the files were all like were not super organized or they were organized, but they were all in like one full, like one big thing just full of paperwork, you know. You see um, Zoot pushing a paper cart in an office. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's very much that. Right. And and the Disney lawyers were like, this is. This is ridiculous. Like, no, we we should shave ten million off of what we're offering you just so we can go through all of this. You know, like they were just being real dicks about it. And Jim was like, "Look, he would just keep going to Eisner and just be like, look, man, I, I, if you don't believe that I'm worth what I'm worth, then like we'll just call it off. But like, I can't deal with this anymore. Like, this is too much. So like, just." Get them to figure this out, and every time Eisner would be like, "Yep, I will tell them." And every time the lawyers did their jobs and just kept hammering well, every single kind tiny of, detail. We've learned this on franchiseography a little bit, where Michael Eisner has this kind of just like the memory of a goldfish, where uh-huh. whatever conversation whoever is in the room with him right now, giving him information that is like the main objective, and then just it, he resets as soon as that person leaves the room. And then the lawyers come. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but it's also a thing where the lawyers aren't hired to listen to him. The lawyers (laughs) are hired to save the corporation money um, Mm -hmm. any way way they can. And so it doesn't really matter what he tells them. They're not going to listen. They're going to do their job because that's what they're hired to do, which I, I understand it sucks, but I understand <laughs> what they're, what, what they, who is actually paying them. And it's not Eisner. Um, so, uh, this went on for a really long time and it was a nightmare and, uh, everybody hated it. There was when they finally did sign, um, the, the intention paperwork, uh, there was, it's this crazy story where Jim went to Florida and uh, went to MGM Studios the day before it opened. Um, and they were like, this is going to be your area. You're going to build your Muppet land over here. Mm-hmm. Um, so figure that out. And he loved talking to the Imagineers because the Imagineers were all yes ands. Like, no matter what. Um, they never said, no, we can't do that. It was like, that sounds like a great idea, but what if we also did this? And he was like, these guys are amazing. I, this is like the opposite of talking to the lawyers. This is incredible. Um, and he, so he loved that. Uh, but but the, the lawyers was a nightmare. But yeah, so he's at MGM Studios, um, and they... <laughs> they are... Uh, they walk him over to the final dress rehearsal 
for the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular the night before it's like it's going to open the next day with the park right and so he's he's there to watch this with um Katzenberg who he's the one showing them him around the park is Jeffrey Katzenberg. So Jeffrey Katzenberg showing Jim around the park takes him to the Indiana Jones stunt stunt spectacular final dress rehearsal which was also uh Frank Wells, uh Eisner, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Holy shit. That all of these people just I'm just imagining the poor stunt performers and how like out of their mind nervous they must have been to do this final dress rehearsal. Um, but uh, yeah, that was who was watching that final dress rehearsal the day before oh that God. opened. Um, crazy. Um, so, uh, uh, so yeah, so he did that. They went to dinner and uh, at like um, a restaurant in the, uh, the, the Florida. Um, what's the hotel uh, rep? Um uh, Florida Contemporary? Uh, Grand Floridian. Grand Floridian, that's it. Um, so they're at the Grand Floridian. They're in the restaurant at the Grand Floridian. Um, they shut it down. Uh, all the lights are out except for over their table. Like, it's going late into the night. And then he finally signs the intention to sell form, um, which really just, like, starts getting the ball rolling on everything. But then that's when they start getting into the weeds um, with the lawyers. Um one of the things that was approved during this was the idea of Muppet Vision 3D, uh, which he roll he wanted to roll into production on in early 1990. Um, and Muppet Vision 3D, he figured out how much money he would need, uh, which was like, you know, for the production itself, but also paying the Muppet performers um, and uh, giving himself a, a, you know, a director stipend. Um, and, uh, you know, he pitched them on $1.2 million, which, all things considered, is very low, uh, considering, yeah. like, what they got out of that. Um, and and the, the fact that it's still running today. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And the Disney production uh, uh, lawyers, um, unrelated to the uh, contract lawyers, um, they were like, no, that's too high. You need to bring that down. Um, and he was like. Guys, most of this money is going to paying my guys, paying the puppeteers and paying me. They scoffed at his rate, which was like two hundred thousand dollars is what what he was paying himself um, to direct that. And they scoffed at that. They were like, that's too much. And so then, of course, he calls up Eisner and he's like, these guys, they don't. You need to tell them that, like, you want me creatively. Like, that's part of the deal here. Right. And that, like, I, I need to be paid for my stuff. Like, I this is ridiculous. Um, And and, uh, and Eisner was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. And he just, he just like, just, just approve it. Just approve it. It's fine. Um, and so they do, and he makes the, he makes the thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he was starting to just get the feeling that, like, Disney saw his company as, assets to be obtained and not the full creative force of what he wanted. However, and this is where things start to get really messy. Uh-oh. Eisner and Jim have a conversation about what Jim what what their intention is for Jim at Disney. And in this conversation, Eisner throw basically says like, "Look, we want to bring you in as an employee." Which means that we need to stop dealing with your agent, so you have to fire your agent. Um, which Jim did, 
but he fired him with a $7 million check with a $3 million IOU for when he sell, when he sold the company to Disney. He's like, you'll get another $3 million, and I will pay you $500,000 every year in perpetuity forever because you've been my agent for 30 years, and I hate that I have to fire you, but it is what it is. I want um, to go back in time and marry Jim Henson. I'm in love I know, with this right? man. Jesus I, God. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's to say nothing of the list which he was making where he had a list of like, okay, we're selling we're selling this company for $150 million. I want to make sure that everybody gets gets their gets theirs. And so he wrote a list of everyone that he's ever worked for that's ever added to the company and he wrote a dollar figure next to every one of their names that ranged from hundreds of thousands to millions um of dollars of like yeah when we sell this is what I'm this is the amount that I'm giving everyone else. And the lowest person on that list was him, himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's, he was a good guy. He just wanted, cause his thought process was like, they're going to hire me as an employee. I'm going to be making an annual salary. I don't need any of this money. All of these guys need this money. Um, and so that was, that was what his focus was. He was going to give it all away to everyone who built that company with him. Um, and it's kind of amazing. Um, so what a guy. Oh yeah, God. I know. So, so, so Eisner said, I want to bring you in as an employee. Um, and Jim is like, well, what am I going to do? And he's like, well, I want you to be sort of like a, like a creative consultant, uh, you know? And he's like, oh, on the, on the, on the Jim Henson, like Muppet stuff. And he was like, no, on everything. Like, I, I want you like in story meetings and I want, I, I like, I want you in, in, in all of that. And he was like, I don't, he was like, I don't know, like creative consultant. Like that's, that's, I mean, that's fine. Like I would be fine with doing that, but like, that's not really like a title. That's not, that doesn't tell me what my responsibilities are. And he's like, well, what would you want your responsibilities are? He's like, well, I would want to be in charge of something. Um, and he was like, well, look. And this is this is like I think this is still 1989 when they have this conversation. So it's before the Little Mermaid hits theaters, and he's like, "I really don't like this Jeffrey Katzenberg guy." <laughs> <laughs> is there a world where you would want to take over Disney Animation? And Jim was like, "I mean, I would be interested. Yeah, I would be interested in that um, as part of my duties, absolutely." Uh, and he was like, "Okay." we'll talk about that later. Well, Jeffrey Katzenberg got wind of this. And uh, as we all know about Jeffrey Katzenberg, that is a man who loves his drama. Um, And, uh, and, uh, and yeah, he, uh, he took like kind of a scorched earth approach to this whole Jim Manson thing. Um, And this is when he just started uh, cutting back on everything because for some reason, um, the Muppet stuff, anything that was in development with the Muppet stuff landed under the Disney animation umbrella for some reason, um, instead of the live action development stuff. Um, it was the same thing with Roger Rabbit. It was like, it was live action, but it fell under the Disney animation umbrella. Um, and, uh, and so every project that Jim pitched to Katzenberg, Katzenberg said no. Um, every single one. So he's the reason that, uh, the cheapest Muppet movie ever made never got made. Um, he just said no, like flat out. No. 
Um, What's that? I'm not familiar with that project. So, so the cheapest Muppet movie that was going to be the first Muppet movie post the Disney sale. Um, it was going to be directed by Jim Henson. It was going to be like a big celebration of like the Muppets are back. We're at Disney. Jim Henson's directing. It's a whole thing. And the concept behind it was essentially that um, the Muppets uh, were going to make a movie. And Gonzo was in charge of the finances. And uh, and Gonzo blows their entire budget in the opening scene. And then they have to make the rest of the movie for whatever's left of the budget. And it's like, you know, it's like super simple and ridiculous. And it's very meta. And it's this, yeah, it's this whole thing. You can find the script online. Um, and it's it's really funny. It's a really great concept. They had storyboarded the whole thing. Um and that was the plan that was that they were going to do that. And Katzenberg's like, no, I don't like it. Uh, and just nixed it. And, uh, <laughs> and this was like an ongoing thing with Katzenberg. It was just like at every turn when Jim would come up with like some sort of creative thing, he would nix, he nixed, uh, you know, cause he would be like Katzenberg, like put himself sort of between Jim and Eisner after he found mm. out about what, what, what he thought Jim was planning um, and and would just not let him get to Eisner and just keep nixing him on everything. Um, he nixed the uh, the 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 great Muppet movie ride, you know, Bastard. like he. Yeah, he just he nixed everything um, because he just he, he was like, no, I'm not going to I'm not I'm not going to let you take my job. Um, and uh, <laughs> I love so much. Yeah, that I love so much. Um, and I don't uh, hate. Uh, secretly, um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So anyway, all of this was happening. It was very hectic, and there was a lot of stuff going on. Jim's schedule. He was extremely. He was spread extremely thin. Um, you know, it was it was just like one thing after another, every minute of every day. Uh, and uh, eventually, uh, he got uh, he got a cold. Um, which grew into pneumonia and then walking pneumonia. And he just kept working and wouldn't uh, go see a doctor. Um, and, you know, and, 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 and to be fair, Jim was like kind of um, like a little bit of a hippy dippy, like anti, uh, uh, you know, medical science kind of like I can just, you know, will the sickness away kind of. <laughs> Raised as a Christian scientist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and so yeah, like he just didn't think anything of it. And you know, the thing about walking pneumonia is like you usually have no idea that you have it. Um, and uh, and yeah, he just one day it got really bad, and he and he passed away. Um, and it was a shock to everyone. Um, absolutely everyone. Uh, and at this point, Disney felt that without Jim, without getting Jim in the deal, um, the Muppets were kind of worthless. And so they nixed the deal. Uh, and so they just were like, I don't, we don't, we don't want this without Jim. Like without Jim, there's no point because there's no figurehead. Um, and at this point, Brian, uh, Jim's son had taken over, which, you know, he had been slowly moving up the ranks um, at Jim Henson Productions, you know, he had a major role in in, uh, you know, Dark Crystal and Muppets Take Manhattan and Labyrinth. And the thing that really pushed him over the edge to being like, OK, 
we will let him take over for Jim, you know, beyond the, the sort of like nepotism of it all was just that like he was the head puppeteer on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and what he created with that movie, with those masks and those costumes, um, the animatronics involved, everything, everyone was like, holy shit, this is like next level. This is nuts. Um, And so when his father died a few months after the release of that movie, everyone sort of unanimously agreed that Brian should be the one to take it over because quite frankly, the second in line would have been Frank Oz, but Frank was like, I'm a movie director now. Like, I, I can't run this company. Like, that's not, it's not what I am anymore. Um, and so Brian took over. And, uh, you know, at, at this point, it was like, they, you know, Disney was just like, I don't, we're not interested, but like, let us know, because I know, you know, you're always looking for distribution for one thing or another. So let us know if you ever want to like, work out a distribution deal with like whatever your next project is, but um, we won't be producing it because we're not going to buy your company right now. Um, And so, yeah, so they were like, you know, everyone was sad and no one was working on anything. And it came to a point where, um, you know, the company sort of like met with ABC and they were like, we want to do a Muppet thing because, you know, Jim passed away and we want to show people that we can still do the Muppets um, even without him. And also, we all just need something to work on. Um, we need to 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 bring the Muppets back. We need a celebration of Jim and and to show that, like, his work is going to outlive him. Um, and so we really want to do something. And so ABC sort of greenlit the idea of a, of a Muppet Christmas special. And so they had done a few Muppet Christmas specials, or, or I think just one at this point. They had done a Muppet Christmas special at this point. Um, and they were like, we don't want to do the same thing that we did before. So maybe we can figure out something else. But they were also tight on time um, in terms of like creatively creating something. And someone had the idea of what if we adapted like an existing story, but just put the Muppets in it. And then somebody was like, well... A Christmas Carol is the greatest story ever told. We should just do that. Um, And so Brian Henson agreed and they started development on the Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, At first, the the first suggestion was that the uh, the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future would be played by uh, different Muppets. Um, the idea was that like Robin the Frog or Scooter would be the ghost of Christmas past, Miss Piggy, Christmas present, and either Animal or Gonzo, uh, the Christmas yet to come. Um, but eventually they settled on the idea that there would be a narrator in the form of Charles Dickens. And they were like, well, I mean, Gonzo should be that. And they were like, well, you know, if we were Jim, Jim wouldn't want to just rest on his laurels and just put the Muppets in every character. We, he would want some original characters um, and original design. So why don't we use the ghosts as an excuse to create some original characters? Cause that's what Jim would have done. 
Um, and so they created, you know, the 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 creepiest, scariest, freakiest little girl <laughs> ghost. Um, no in addition to, then. in in addition to uh, the the very spooky, but not as spooky as Christmas Past, Christmas Yet to Come, um, and maybe one of the best new Muppet characters, like one off Muppet characters ever created That's in the Ghost so of Christmas good. Present. Um, so good, he's unbelievable. Um, There's something kind of unsettling about him, though. Like, I don't, I don't like a Muppet that could shove me. <laughs> don't, you don't like oh, Sweetums? Oh, I don't, I, I don't like the idea big... of like a Muppet could be like, come on, pussy, come on. You know? like... <laughs> See, I love a Muppet that is big because like when they can like eat something, it is always a funny joke to me. When like, yeah. I like Sweetums. Yeah. Sweetums is great. Oh man, I love Sweetums, just... and I love the guy on on the ABC Muppet Show that was like constantly like eating people, like eating guest stars. Big Man oh, Carl. he's great. Yeah, yeah, Big. Carl. What's his name? There's just Big Mean Carl. Big, Big Mean Car- Carl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's just something I about love his Christmas name so much. It's so silly. <laughs> Christmas Christmas presents arm mobility just kind of scares me a little bit. Does just does so... uh does Swedish fish also or Swedish fish Swedish chef <laughs> also uh, freak you out? Because he because he just has his little hands. Human he doesn't hands. have like, he does little human hands. He he doesn't have like reach. And also I don't know he's like burly. He's kind of like Pierce in that episode of Community where he makes like a pillow fort man out of himself <laughs> and he's just like barreling through kids. Oh sure. <laughs> um, but they're definitely you know they're they're very in that spirit of like. Jim Henson presents of like, yeah, these characters aren't necessarily supposed to be funny. They're just characters in the story. Mm. Yeah. I always really yeah. liked the the big Muppets when they would be on the Muppet show with a dancer. So like you would have you know, oh, yeah. Gene Kelly on and dancing with like a full life size Muppet. And I always enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um, for sure. So, uh, yeah. So they, uh, they're, they're, uh, creating this thing, um, for, ABC, uh, they write the script as a two-hour TV special. Um, they turn it into ABC, uh, and, but I uh, somehow like they they submit it to approval by by ABC, and as it goes up the line, because um, which is weird, because like I don't think definitely not. No, Disney doesn't own ABC at this point. Um, it's very like very strange, but somehow. It goes from it's submitted to the ABC execs and then it's given to the Disney execs who then call up um, the the Henson company and say, hey, your script is approved, but not for ABC as a feature film. Uh, Congratulations, you're making a Muppet movie. Um, And they give them the budget and everything and they they go into casting. Um, And um, the... Actors who were up for uh, Scrooge are very interesting to me. Um, Please, a couple, a couple in, in particular. Um, there were like these two British actors uh, named. Uh, one is uh, David Hemmings, um, who I, I I'm not particularly know what he's known for. I guess he's in a lot of like British television series in the mm-hmm. 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, but, uh, I'm not super familiar with him. Um, but he was up for it. Uh, Ron Moody was another guy who was up for it. Um, who, uh, you know, had done some things like, um, 
uh, he, he was a mostly a stage actor uh, for the most part, but he had also been in like Mel Brooks's version of the 12 chairs um, in 1970. Oh, wow. one, of, one of the only Mel Brooks movies I think I've never seen uh, weirdly. Yeah. Neither have I um, never heard of it, but yeah, uh, it's, it was a super early one. Um, but uh, one of the actors that they went out to was David Warner. Oh, okay. wow. Who I, I'm like From TMNT two secret of the use. Exactly. I think he did that. He, I, I feel like he did that instead. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, a good choice. Yeah. But yeah, David, David Warner, um, they they offered it to uh, and they also went out to George Carlin. Wow. So what a world that would have been. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because like, I don't think at that point. He had turned in because I, I, my mind goes straight to Jersey Girl and how I think he delivers a genuinely very moving, earnest performance in Jersey Girl. But I don't right. know if he was there yet. He was in, in... Uh, he was doing Shining Time Station. Oh, okay. The the Thomas the Thomas the Tank Engine uh, PBS show. Yeah, um, Your Majesty. Yeah, I, I'm in this <laughs> position though, where like as great as anything would have been, I can't even begin to imagine it because what we got was so perfect. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, George Carlin, my understanding, was the uh, the studio's choice. That was Disney's choice. They they oh. were pushing for George Carlin because they were like, yeah, he's grumpy, right? Like Scrooge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they just, they loved that. Um, uh, funnily enough, I think it also in 1992, George Carlin would release his most controversial uh, stand-up special uh, that he'd ever done um, oh, was in wow. 1992, I believe. Um, the super politically charged one that he did, where everyone's like, "You've changed, man." Um, and he's just <laughs> like, like no, "Fuck you! I've always been attention. this way." <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Henson, um, Brian Henson, uh, offered the role to Michael Caine. Because uh, he talked to Michael Caine about it, and Michael Caine was like, uh, "I've always wanted to play uh, Scrooge in something." Um, he's like, "But I, I know what my Scrooge is. So if I'm going to do this, he said, yeah, quote, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with a Royal Shakespeare Company. I will never wink. I will never do anything muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it is utterly dynamic and there are d- dramatic role, and there are no puppets around me at all." Um, and uh, and Brian Henson was like, "This is the guy," um, and offered him the role. <laughs> Chef's kiss, like, out. This is exactly what we needed to hear. Yes, um, he took inspiration for the role from uh, Wall Street cheats and embezzlers. He thought they represented a very good picture of meanness and greed. Um, <laughs> just just know, continuing to be a king and a legend, oh, uh, we love Michael, him. Sir Michael Caine. Um, so yeah, they uh they built this uh set in uh in England and uh it was you know, Michael Caine loved it because he was like I thought this would be a walk in the park and it was actually one of the most difficult jobs of my career, um not because of the acting, but because of the blocking because there were so many moments where he had to like walk around but he had to look like he was just walking without thinking but in reality he was walking on narrow planks um across where the muppet performers were 
uh, stationed, poking with their hands, poking out on other side with Muppet with Muppets on their arms. It's um, so hard. It's yeah. so hard to act like you are walking naturally when you are having to be very, very specifically choreographed. It's so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so he, he actually did have a hard time, but he loved it and, uh, is to this day, he says it's one of the performances he's most proud of. Um, and, uh, can't say I disagree, uh, Sir Michael Caine. Um, and, uh, it was released in theaters, uh, and, you know, grossed a total of $27 million uh, because, uh, unfortunately, Home Alone 2 Lost in New York absolutely ate its lunch. Um, but, uh, you know, it has stood the test of time uh, on the other side of that. Um, and, you don't have uh, any disgraced presidents in this movie, so. That's true. That's very well, true. Rob Schneider. <laughs> I was like, wait, he's in this now. Yeah. <laughs> he's not even a president. <laughs> I I, president I find it interesting Schneider. that they I find it interesting that they never went to Tim Curry for Scrooge. Um oh, especially yeah. when he's like in the other Christmas movie that opens. <laughs> he seems like a little too young at that time to play Scrooge. If you look at the way he was in Lost in New York, still oh, kind of got yeah. that maybe that's youthful- true. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. Yeah, but don't worry, he will be appearing later in the greatest True. Muppet movie ever made. Yeah, I I feel like he went. Nick, he was like, oh, let's. I I love the idea of him just being like, let's go check out what the competition has in store, and then just being mm. like, oh my god, Michael Caine, this was amazing, and just calling up the Henson yeah. Company and being like, whatever you're doing next, I'm in. <laughs> I too would like to turn in an iconic performance. <laughs> adaptation of a famous literary icon yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah that is uh the muppet christmas carol um you know it's brian henson's directorial debut uh you know he is still Director running the, the company to this day he's now i believe 20 years older than his father um ever ever got to which is probably a total mind fuck for him um but uh, yeah, he's just uh, a block away from my apartment right now, probably hanging out <laughs> behind the Golden yep. Gates at the Jim Henson uh, Studios, um, planning his next uh, naughty uh, naughty puppet yep. uh, show. Um, yep. Yeah, he's, he's got a moleskin notebook out, and he's writing Muppets fucking question <laughs> mark. Yeah, yeah. Because um, just like his father, he also had an obsession with growing outside of uh outside of the wholesome muppets and doing other things except instead of like you know artistic dramatic uh fantastical creations he was like yeah but what if what if uh what if muppets uh maybe said a bad word every once in a while that'd be pretty fucked up wouldn't it um uh, <laughs> muppet tete <hanging laughs> yeah that's uh yeah um, I, I just find it so funny that they both have the same obsession, but in completely different ways. <laughs> be like if, be like if Goro Miyazaki was just interested in making like first person shooters or something. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> that's the Muppet Christmas Carol. It is. Uh, I love that we start with, you know, in loving memory of oh. of those that we have lost because 
you know, Christmas is my favorite holiday. And I think what always, what I love so much about Christmas is as much as it has kind of a reputation of being like time for joy, time for cheer, time for happiness and glee and all that. To me, Christmas has always been linked inexorably toward to like death Mm -hmm. and melancholy because we are also at the end of the year Mm -hmm. and like you're naturally kind of reflective and this is like a a a, a movie that looks death right in the eye and doesn't Mm -hmm. sand those edges off for this adaptation and Mm -hmm. so i know it's kind of cool that right before we get like singing cabbages and horses shaking their little booties we get this like (laughs) hey like we're we're thinking about our friends at christmas time that, that aren't here anymore i um you know, after doing all of this research, I watched the movie, and I get mm. that that thing. And um, I'll be honest, I got a little choked up, and it wasn't because of Jim. It wasn't because I had just read all about this guy's life story and was like, oh, yeah, and now he's gone, and this is like the first post thing. Um, it was actually Richard Hunt being there as well, and the fact that they share the 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 dedication mm-hmm. because as if they're equals despite the fact that like it's like Jim Henson created this whole thing it's called the Jim Henson Productions and the whatever but he died and also Richard Hunt died and they're like no they're just sharing the dedication because that is that was always Jim's philosophy is that they were all equals um wow. and yeah. the fact that they're sharing this dedication that Richard Hunt is on screen with Jim Henson at like both having passed and to their, from their perspective, they just, they lost two, two, two of their friends and that's sure. Yeah. And so they're just on the dedication together and there is just something so beautiful and heartbreaking about that. Um, But yeah, Richard Hunt passed away uh, from HIV AIDS um, in like early 1992 uh and it's uh it's the reason why um you know richard hunt was the original voice um or original performer for scooter statler uh janice beaker and and sweetums um and uh i believe uh i don't have a production start date on on christmas carol but um my understanding is that uh he was not there for it um i think he was too sick at that point and uh and so that's the reason why um scooter isn't in the movie and uh and uh, uh janice uh, doesn't speak and sweetums isn't in the movie um they had to use they had to get a, a new per- performer for statler um and beaker because they uh had more important roles uh, to play. Um, and I think they had uh, people on standby with that did like good, good impressions of, of uh, those characters. And so um, they stepped in pretty quickly, but uh, uh, we actually don't see anyone perform scooter again. I think until like the late mid two, like it's like 2008, I think is the next time anyone performs scooter. Wow. Um, Cause that was like, that was like Richard Hunt's Kermit. Um, was scooter and uh and so it just it just took a really long time it's like how ralph was retired for a long time after right. jim died because that was like the closest uh jim to, to jim's like natural personality was ralph and so everyone was like i don't doing an impression of ralph is like doing an impression of jim and it feels weird um and i think people felt similarly about scooter um 
But uh, yeah, so I just That's I love that dedication. Thank you for bringing it up, Nick. Of course, no, it's beautiful, and like, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting. It almost kind of reminds me of the relationship, the kind of parasocial relationship I began to develop doing research on the original Star Trek movies mm. of mm-hmm. like getting to know these actors and how mm-hmm. much of a company they had become as what happens with all friends, you know, you start, lo- you know, you start losing each other and that becomes part of the story as well as reflecting on those who have parted and keeping the work going, you know? Yeah. Um, and it sets a precedent it kind of shows that this institution is growing a little bit and getting like, Hey, we've now been around long enough to where this is happening. And how do the how do the Muppets deal with this? You know, it's true. Yeah, this is this is uh, we've entered. It's so interesting that you can trace the history of the Muppets in different, closely knit together like uh, 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 periods of films. You know, like you have that original trilogy, then you have the 90s trilogy, which is like mm-hmm. the 2.0 era. And then you have the 3.0 era that starts in 2011 with the Muppets. Um, I just think that that's interesting. Uh, it's very delineated like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Rip, any thoughts on Muppet Legacy before we go into I, I do want to get uh, your, your, your opinion on something else. OK, so, uh, yeah. yeah, for me, like the Muppet Legacy where they like where they're doing this thing where like oh they sort of retire a character after a while like or or when a, a performer passes i i've been f- having this feeling a lot with the simpsons lately uh because the simpsons they've done this thing where uh where a, a, an actor dies a phil hartman dies and all of a sudden we're you know we never see troy mcclure again we never see any of these characters again uh and so we've had a few other performers pass and their characters have been retired I'm just wondering what happens when Dan Castellaneta passes, you know, and we've already set this precedent, but Disney has clearly made, made certain that we're never going to not see the Simpsons ever again. You know, I I find that really strange. Let's go of this mortal coil. (laughs) I, I feel like whoever from the family that dies first I think the rest of them will retire and they'll recast the whole family. That's my guess. I, I that's got to be it. That's that's got to be the only way. Yeah, because there's like no gotta... way. There's no way they're going to replace like one of them with like a 30 year old guy when the rest of them sound like they're clearly in their 70s and 80s. You know, <laughs> right? Um, I just Talking I don't think. Yeah, I just don't think that would work. So, um, that would be my guess. But yeah, that's really I, I swear we're not going to talk about the Muppets for that much longer listeners. But um, so I mean, we, I've we've got kind of, we've got a whole back half. We're of not going to talk about the Muppets go. much longer. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Uh, oh, OK, <laughs> but but I, I have recently started watching like new Simpsons, like uh-huh. 2020 Simpsons. Uh-huh. And I love the actors. I'm so glad we're so lucky they're still with us. I just want to get that out of the way. They're legends. But. <laughs> the writing is now kind of what we were talking about at the beginning where the writers are now like kind of our generation, like people who were like in their thirties or twenties. And we're like, I love the Simpsons. I get to write the Simpsons and the writing is so sharp. And like, I can hear the young, the youth, but then it's like still Julie Kavner and Yeaterly yeah. Smith. Then trying to like keep up with this writing and the cadence of comedy, kind of like post new girl comedy, you know? Like, it's fascinating. It's really yeah. funny. I really like what they're doing with The Simpsons right now. But uh-huh. um, yeah. 
Rip, uh, happy to have you on this particular Muppet movie because I want to get your opinion. Uh, I love an overture. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's just something this, so comforting about them. Do you, do you feel the same? This music is beautiful. This like, oh, this, like the opening yeah. credits overture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like hyped when this movie started. I was like, oh, hell yeah. Brian Hansen. When it when I saw songs by Paul Williams, uh-huh. I like punched the air because yeah. <laughs> look, the music post the Muppet movie has been solid. It's been uh-huh. OK. But just like immediately when you hear like, you know, here comes Mr. Scrooge or what? I was just like, oh, my God, just banger after banger. I miss Paul Williams writing he, songs for the Muppets. He was such a genius. And like, yeah, it's the, the music in this movie is so good. The music in the original Muppet movie, just incredible. And yeah, it's it's very exciting to have him on this movie. Um, Is this the movie that really cements the relationship between Gonzo and Rizzo? Absolutely. Like, I, I feel like there, I think Muppets Tonight may have had a little bit like of, of that mashing up together that was but after this, this is though. oh that was after this yeah M- oh, okay. muppets tonight was mid 90s yeah oh okay so yeah i think this is like really like the first yeah like when we first really start to see them together and then until fucking pepe comes along you know they're gonna be two peas i have i i i talked about this uh with nick i don't remember if i did this on mic or or not <laughs> i hope you didn't but 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 <laughs> i what yeah, but we just talk about the muppets even off mic we know i mean around. we definitely do um yeah we do but we sure. we uh, you know i i i don't i don't love gonzo and pepe together i don't love their relationship i know the reason why it's happening is because steve whitmire is no longer with the muppet company because disney fired his ass um uh, wrongfully so in my opinion um but uh uh in any event um i understand why rizzo's not part of it but i will say i find pepe as a really great addition to the muppet company and to the relationship between gonzo and rizzo as a third wheel it's just when you remove rizzo from from it that i don't i don't love just Gonzo and Pepe. But when Rizzo, when it's Gonzo, Rizzo, and Pepe, I love that combo. I can see um, that. There's yeah. something about Pepe who he just, he's con, like, if you look at like Muppet Haunted Mansion, like, yes. the entire thing was like, oh, they were both going to this party. Oh, but Pepe was pl- clearly planning to leave Gonzo to go get laid the entire time. Like, I'm like, yes. uh, Okay, but you're going with a friend. Gonzo is your friend. Stick with it. Yeah. Be a bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, you know, I think they're the the relationship of the three characters together on the ABC Muppet Show. I think is like really good stuff. Um, but as soon as Steve Whitmire left, and now we don't get any more Rizzo. He's the retired character. Um, is the is Rizzo um now uh as we discussed earlier um mm-hmm. and it's a bummer because i miss rizzo rizzo's my guy rizzo's my boy yeah. italian american uh, representation <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know the decision to make gonzo charles dickens and rizzo his little assistant guide partner in crime is greek greek god greek, greek chorus guide or whatever yeah greek chorus yeah yeah totally it it's great and like i think so the thing, crazy thing about this movie is like in adapting a story as opposed to having to create 
from whole cloth, some kind of like, we have to save the studio or get a show on Broadway or, you know, by like, like, like that anonymous Muppet, uh, studios employee that was like, Hey, what, you know, Christmas Carol is the greatest story of all time. What if we slip our company into that story? I think every Muppet as an actor, as a performer is like doing career best work in (laughs) this movie specifically. Yeah. And like starting with Gonzo and Rizzo, like so many of their iconic moments as characters are in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's true. Very true. Um, and we'll go I'm over. Gl- every I'm glad week. I could be a part of this. <laughs> I'm glad. Oh my god! Yeah, it's such a human, like human actor c- comedians wish they had a moment that small and funny and effortless. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, thank you for making me a part of this. Um, <laughs> something I love about this movie during this opening sequence, where Scrooge is walking around the town, and they're like, you know, there goes Mr. Humbug. Very musical. Very Broadway musical. I love it. Yes. Um, it- I love how many pirates from Muppet Treasure Island are background characters in this. Oh. Really? There are so many gross little monster Muppets that are like Dickensian urchins that I'm like, you're going to be in Muppet Treasure Island. You're going to be in Muppet (laughs) Treasure Island. (laughs) That's fun. I've never noticed Um, that before, but I've only seen Muppet Treasure Island. It's been a while since I've watched Treasure Island. I need to to get back on that. That was the one that I had on video and watched over and over again, but we'll Uh get into that next week. Yeah. yeah, um, they go to Scrooge's office, uh, Steve Whitmire, and yeah, something locked into my my brain the minute, the second I heard Steve Whitmire play Kermit again, of like, oh yeah, this is like my generation, this is like what I grew up hearing more than anything, um, to where like, I've never watched this movie in the context of like, oh man, Jim's voice, because this is, I kind of like immediately, like, that's Kermit, that's yeah. Kermit the Frog, as Bob Cratchit. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it, um, but it's interesting because the reason why Kermit isn't in this whole movie like like usually is um, is because Steve Whitmire was like, look, I'll, I'm going to take I'll take over Kermit. But like, I don't know how prepared I am to do like a lot of Kermit in this movie. So, sure. you know, can we and make him adds, a supporting character? <laughs> that just adds such an element of like grief and sadness and, and beauty to this whole movie kind of running through it. Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's these really are beautiful. people. Yeah, like it's like making something to kind of process the loss that they're going through, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, the moment when 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 cousin Fred walks in and he's like, "Oh, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, uh, uh, Bob," and he goes, "Merry Christmas, Fred," and like, "Merry Christmas, Bob." And, mm. The Kermit, like, mm. I'm no. like, I'm listening and I'm not. It's like ah, like that's I love that. I'm cur- so I'm currently uh, reading the Jim Henson biography, and there was something that I really enjoyed early on that they described as Jim Henson, like his family would tell you that like you, they can understand exactly what he was thinking from whatever hmm. he did. Uh-huh. And I was just like, the, the book is so good at pointing out these little things that like fans of the Muppets like, Oh, that's the Kermit thing right there. The, hmm. And yeah. it's, it makes me very happy. It like my, my heart just got butterflies. In it reading <laughs> yeah. Like the context, the, the context is that is Steve Whitmer channeling his friend yeah. into this yeah. character that was kind of inspired by yeah it's just it's beautiful yeah. also for some reason it's never it's never occurred to me um outside of the sam the fucking fantastic sam the eagle joke later in the movie yeah um, amazing yeah outside of that it's never really occurred to me that like 
They're in London. All of the <laughs> human actors are British, but all of the Muppets are American. And no one talks right, about yeah. it. No one references it. It's just unspoken. Yeah, it's just an unspoken rule of this world that they're living in currently. I've... Uh... I mean, this is such a random memory, but I remember like, uh, you know, the Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch came out a couple of years ago. And I just remember reading this interview where they're like, hey, like you're you're using an American accent like you didn't have to. Like what made that decision? And he was like, you know, I tried doing my natural accent as the Grinch. But then he was like, there's just something so American about the character that it just made more <laughs> sense for me to do like, hi, I'm the Grinch. And I'm like, I kind of get what he's saying. There is sort of that's like a, a broadness a good bird to our Americans. Uh, yeah <laughs> this dumbass this cold-hearted bastard um, i uh i love the office rats yeah um, I, I, oh, one looks so just good. like one of my uncles <laughs> i think we there's, all have there's one that looks kinda... like a puppet rat <laughs> <laughs> yeah just there's they don't do any close-ups but there's this one with kind of droopy kind of tired eyes I think uh, I know yeah. which one you're talking about. Like I can <laughs> yeah. picture it in my head without you even without even looking yeah. it up. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I just I, I mean, love one, it. Yeah, I love please. them all so much. Just like they're like this like hive mind that just like moves in one like in in unison. It's just so cute and like Kermit is their leader just by virtue of being bigger than them. I think. You know what's funny listening to you? That almost kind of has a weird logic to it because there's that line later on when they're in the past where, you know, Rizzo is looking at young Scrooge being really lonely and he's like, yeah, rats don't understand these things. He's like, you've never been lonely? I have 1,200 brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, they are kind of used to moving as a collective and kind of not really being their own person 100%. For sure. Yeah. And like in Muppets Take Manhattan, you know, they all get a job together they all come together, in together. <laughs> yeah it's very uh, like i don't know like big family coded like you know name, pick pick your person italian greek mexican just very like first generation coded yeah <laughs> that's what made the, remy from ratatouille special that's because he wanted to break out from the the pack and yeah cook for himself. he was like he was like Carm from the bear <laughs> um <laughs> It was it was at this point in the movie uh, watching it now because um, this was an interesting watch because it's not Christmas. I'm not fueled by Christmas vibes that are in my right. brain and in my heart. Um, and so <laughs> um, and so like watching it's I'm not watching the movie like I would watch any movie. Right. Um, like we've hmm. watched the other three Muppet movies that we've seen so far. And um, three. the thing. Yeah. The thing that I the thing that I've I've. I noticed this time or, or was more like aware of this time was that like this movie is so much less that vaudeville thing of the original trilogy of movies and the Muppet show. Um, and we talked about this, the generational gaps of like what the Muppets are or what they mean to us or whatever. Um, but I was I was just struck by how much this just is a real movie, you know, like it, it's just a movie. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's much more so than any of the other three, which were all like loose plots with a lot of bits. Um, you know, this one is, 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 it, it's just a movie. Like we're just watching a regular movie. And yeah, I, the they're thing not nodding actually, and winking at the camera a whole lot. Not, 
not a lot. Like there's a few, like there's a little bit of fourth wall breaking moments, but like, like the two moments that I'm thinking of are two moments we've already mentioned, which was when, uh, when Scrooge's nephew is like, hello, Bob. And, and he's like, Oh, hello. You know, like, and like, yeah, it's hello. just so like it's human. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's just so human and just like regular. And it, there's no joke. It's just a thing. And then it's the fact that like the Muppets aren't even the main characters in this. Right. Right. Um, and they're just what, I've always viewed them as, and I think what a lot of people our age view them as, which is they're actors, um, and they're they're playing roles. Uh, you know, they're they're they're. It's like the Cornetto trilogy, right? It's like, yeah, I love those guys. I love when those guys make those movies, but they're playing different characters and everything. But also, they're still like Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Edgar Wright, the <laughs> right, same way yeah. that the, they're still Miss Piggy, Kermit, and Fozzie. You know. Um. Yeah. 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 Like watching Benson and Honey or Beaker and Honeydew, uh, just be playing characters in the story of A Christmas Carol, and yeah. like, like Honeydew getting to kind of show different emotions than he normally gets to, like frustration mm-hmm. or anger. Yeah. Like, but even yeah. when to, they play to let, to let the, a joke, Beaker like monolo- they did. Like to let like Beaker like monologue about the poor, and then like later on in the movie, like have like a very emotional moment where he gives. Yeah. his scarf to Scrooge without the like the typical Beaker joke where he just is getting mauled all the time, you know? Right, Like, right. he is allowed, Beaker is allowed to be endearing and sweet and not have to get the shit beaten out of him. <laughs> it's true. Sure. No, they save, they save that privilege for Bean, Bean, Beanie the Bunny. Um, no, no, Bean Bunny. <laughs> Bean Bunny, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, uh, yeah, but, like, that joke... Later that you reference Nick about about uh, how many brothers and sisters that uh, that Rizzo yeah. the Rat has right after he says that where he's like I have uh, like twelve hundred brothers and sisters and then Gonzo says like wow you really don't know what it's like and it's like on paper you're like oh that's like a bit like a vaudeville bit where like he's gonna like look at the camera and be like he really doesn't know what that would be and like shrug his shoulders and like whoa um and the audience is gonna laugh right but they don't play it that way they just play it as like a fact it's like oh you really don't know what that's like okay and then they just move on and it's like was that was that a joke or was that just like a little conversation <laughs> the two of them had where one of them learned a lot about the other one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like the closest yeah. we get to like winking is like that little moment where at one point Riz was like, wow, this is pretty dark. Like should kids be watching this? And Gonz is like, that's yeah, okay. It's culture. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that in the, the minute, the, the beat at toward the end where he's like, this is getting, this is kind of freaking me out. We should just like, Get out of here and come back they in the third act. They just nope out for like, the yeah. last act. That yeah, is yeah. only because this is such like a perfect movie that it just yeah. sticks out like a sore thumb. That is the only part of this movie that I think doesn't land for me. Is oh, the fact that they I, leave. I think. Well, I, I think because like it's like, like all right, folks, this is crazy. Bye, folks. See you at the finale. And I was like, I am not thinking about you two right now. Like. Oh. You could have just not had them and not call call in attention to it. I don't think I would have cared. Oh. And like when they come back, like we're back. We said we would be. I'm like I don't fucking cool. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh wow, this is like the only misstep this movie makes for me. And that's like that's so interesting. And it's only I worth see calling what you're attention saying, to. But because, also, I don't yeah. hate it. So you know, I'm sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Um. So you know, for I me, mean, yeah, the the we get the classic, you know. Let them be poor. Oh, let them do it then and decrease the surplus population. You know, all your classic Scrooge 
business. It, it, is it <laughs> is it crazy to say that every every Scrooge office is, uh. is in, in in every iteration of a Christmas Carol? They all look absolutely identical. Like absolutely. I feel like they've reused this set since like the 1930s in every single yeah, Christmas probably. Carol adaptation. <laughs> Even like the Zemeckis one, they just like 3Dified this version. <laughs> yes, it's the exact same set in every version of Christmas Carol I've ever seen. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, and I, I think you know, I, I find myself every time I watch this movie, I do kind of find myself thinking about God, fucking. Charles Dickens, man, Christmas Carol. You know what? Know. What a storyteller. And the cool thing about Scrooge is they were like, okay, I'm. An, I need to write someone that every the collective mass, the populace will immediately understand. It's like, fuck this dude. Yeah. And so, like, he could have been like a king. He could have been a president or a governor. But there, but Dickens was like, no, I'm going to make this character a money lender. Yeah. Like. Someone that you see every day in your life all year. Someone that you can, rec- you know, like your shitty manager at your job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As yeah. opposed to like, you know, I think I think about like Jeff Bezos and Mark, you know, Tr- Donald Trump and all these larger than like people in our society today. But it's so cool that this is kind of a uh, an urban of really like small story of like with a really limited specific scope. You know, it's true. Um, and and uh, Charles Dickens scholars, Dickensian scholars, if you will, oh. uh, will will say that this is probably Charles Dickens like lesser lesser work. Um, sure. A Christmas Carol. very short. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know it's short, and they're very dismissive of it a lot of times. Like every person that I know that is like, oh, Chris, uh, like what what do you, what do you think of uh, Charles Dickens? Like they're they were like really into Charles Dickens the way that like. You know, people are really into Shakespeare. Um, and then, like, mm. you know, saying that your favorite Charles Dickens thing is A Christmas Carol is akin to saying that your favorite Shakespeare is, like, Romeo and Juliet. And they're just like, oh, fuck you. You read that in the eighth grade. Fucking, um, or, like, Charles Dickens <laughs> gatekeepers over here. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Fucking nerds. Like fav- oh, my God. Your get favorite. over yourself. Like, oh, my favorite Green Day album is American Idiot. You know, yeah. Yeah. Saying that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. One more sleep till Christmas, total banger. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Classic. Oh, by the way, uh, uh, Fred can get it. Fred's real cute. I just gotta point that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> every every cute. year, I just like I I'm like, oh, he's real cute every day. Every yeah. day. Cute couple. Uh, I will uh-huh. say, you know, so in case we don't, in case we don't remember to bring it up later when it happens in the movie, uh, when it just holds on the two of them when they get their presents from Scrooge, Fred and Fred's uh, wife. I was like, uh-huh. that is the most attract that is the uh, most attractive a person has ever looked is fred's wife just like staring lovingly at fred as she's like so overcome with like christmas cheer i'm like oh, nick no. i was going to make sure to bring up that exact same shot too so like we're best okay, buddies cool. right now like, <laughs> <it's> just... <laughs> glad to hear it I'm like, oh man wow me and wow. who you know uh <laughs> there's a <laughs> There's a part that I every every year, every time I watch this movie, I'm like, what the fuck? It's so crazy, but so beautiful. Is like, uh, you know, the iconic shot, Kermit being like, one more sleep till Christmas Ugh. day. And then a shooting star streaks, streaks across the sky and goes, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Kermit's like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that, what? That entire if we zoomed in. Is- Oh, Good. Would would the shooting star be a Muppet? Is that what we're led to believe? Who maybe. is that? I just thought it was maybe just like a a penguin in the distance. 
That, oh, I always thought it was the shooting star. Oh, um, well, okay. So, you know, we're <laughs> laughing about the shooting star, um, but uh, the shooting the shooting star is is Jim Henson. Um, that's his voice. No, no, no. That's the, the shooting star is a representation of Jim Henson. He is they Aww. they put the shooting star in this and in Muppet Treasure Island and in Muppets from Space because wow. it's like a representation of like Jim watching over them as they continue. Oh, that's so movies. cute. That's I never so knew that. Thing. Yeah. Was and that then, a Brian Henson idea? And then yeah, and then uh, and then Jason Siegel and and Nicholas <laughs> Nicholas were like. Fuck that. That's dumb. Uh, and then they didn't do it. Well, well, it's like at that point, it, it'd be weird if like that's not our friend. Yeah. Like, right. That's true. That's a very like intimate, like, you know, like I like it'd be weird if I included a Joan Lee Easter egg in a Marvel thing. <laughs> uh huh. Because because I don't know. It almost feels like calling someone that you didn't know by their nickname. That's like, hey, that's. I don't know. Does it, does yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. In 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 in, in Bobbin and Siegel's defense, I don't think they're like fuck the old man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is that is Jim Henson, and they they put that shooting star in the next uh, the next two movies as well. Wow. Yeah, I'll be on the lookout. That. I'm less That's sweet. I'm less familiar with the shooting stars in the next two movies, but I always remember. What I interpreted as a sentient screaming shooting star. <laughs> I mean, are, are we are we not all sentient shooting stars screaming through the galaxy? Right. Yeah, this is I, my favorite see, lyric I, from Fireworks. Is that? I was always under the impression that the person saying "Merry Christmas" was Robin. Merry Christmas! Wow. Oh, well, where's okay. oh Maybe? God? Because he's what's like on his shoulders, now? right? Like I thought he was alone. I don't think he has. No, Robin he's alone. Sure. Yeah, he's he's alone. He's not. Yeah, oh. he's not. Yeah, he's not home yet. He hasn't gotten home yet. Oh yeah, that's the wait. Later, oh, yeah. it's okay. later in the movie when the two of them are singing it together, and he's. Oh, alone. okay, 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 okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm I think I think it's a penguin head. that is has is dispersing from the penguin dance. Oh, that and it's like saying like "Merry Christmas" over their shoulders. Good night, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I see. I see. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, I'm also one of those people that always saw the Walt Disney logo inversely to where it looks like a G. Uh-huh. I'm one of those people. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> brain just works a little differently. <laughs> my brain just works a little differently. Uh, so Scrooge goes home, has himself some girl dinner. And has. <laughs> That's all I could think about while I was watching this. I was like, what the fuck kind of dinner is Absolutely. that? Oh my dinner. god! Just a, <laughs> a plate with some bread and some cheese. God, what if you were lactose intolerant in the 1800s? Oh god! Uh, oh, you die off. Yeah. Like, how is he? How is he surviving on that? There's no vitamins in that. Come on, man. There's calcium. That's it. <laughs> he's at. He's he's getting this gravy that has vitamins, right? That's true. It's no. gruel. Is there is there gravy? I thought he it was says literally. There, I mean. He says there's it's more of gravy but... than of grave than of you. <laughs> well, yeah, but some that was adaptations. A joke, and then they they fucking burn him for it too. <laughs> <I'm>... <laughs> That's, that is a great pun. I do not care what you say, Dickens. That think... one rips. Okay, <laughs> there are adaptations where he is eating more of like a gruel stew type dinner. Yeah, but 
And this one, he's literally just like, yeah, just dry thing of dry slice of bread, dry thing of cheese, maybe a dry thing of meat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never yeah. not going to think girl to her. <laughs> awesome. Oh I'm glad. Uh, um, I think Marley and Marley is just such a like student PowerPoint level. Like I, I, I like this is like one to one great ad- adaptation. You know, yes, it, it's yes. so clever. It is so, so, so good. I also love the joke that they're like, well, there's only one guy. So it's Jacob Marley. But like, what are we going to call the other guy? And they Bob name Marley. him Rob. They name him Robert Marley. So his name is Bob Marley. Bob Marley. <laughs> it's just, it is so just, dumb. I, I, and so <laughs> funny. I just love when uh, when a, when a writer just like puts like like a nugget just below the surface you can see it like sparkling and you have to dig to it to get to the joke sure a little uh, bit i love that so much just like the like three level just of a joke R- ripley ripley just described uh animal crossing um i do yes i do like wow. animal crossing that's what he just described is digging things up you find in animal crossing <laughs> um and you know marley and marley terrific song another banger um yeah. I've always, you know, another reason I love Christmas Carol is it's always like a little bit spooky, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The spooky imagery. It's not mm-hmm. all cheery. It's and the like, original it, Nightmare Before Christmas. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, I have always loved the detail of the Muppets being, uh, of, of Barley, Marley and Marley being dragged under the stairwell <laughs> to where you can still see their shadows and the light, but like you can't see them anymore. That's just always been so spooky to me. Yeah. I, um, so the... The process of doing this Marley Marley thing, um, you know, they they had the Statler and Waldorf puppets and they powdered them um, and uh, uh, had the performers wear like all black body suits on a black background. And then that's what they filmed it with. And that is their that was their typical approach with like a lot of stuff in the Muppet show going all the way back to the Muppet show in terms of like how they would do these sort of. Uh, like self-sustaining Muppet scenes like that, where like you can't, you would see the Muppet performer, but you're not supposed to see the Muppet performer kind of deal. Things you would normally do with a green screen. Um, this mm. is how they did it was with a black curtain and an all black outfit and just like sort of um faded into the scene like a um uh what do you call that like almost like a matte painting. You know, mm-hmm. um, in post. And uh, I think that is the reason why uh, I don't like the way Muppet Haunted Mansion looks because they use too much oh. blue screen, green screen instead of this technique um, because I, they've obviously yeah. fallen out of favor somehow. And it just doesn't look right. It doesn't look like Muppets because this is what Muppets look like when they're ghosts. You know, you, I, I <laughs> yeah, I get that because, yeah, that entire thing looks like it was filmed on a green screen. Yep. And it's yeah, it looks it looks, it looks like weird. it was all done in someone's apartment in there uh, during during COVID. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, looking forward. I'll have to be on the lookout this year when I when I watch it, when I watch that for Halloween times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah. speaking of terror, speaking of unrelenting terror <laughs> she's here she's here uh every year when i'm awake on christmas day at one o'clock in the morning 
wrapping my 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 family's presents because I haven't done it since I've gotten home. <laughs> I I always think expect the first ghost when the bell tolls one. Mm-hmm. It's like oh god, all time, she's all right time behind line. me, isn't she? She's right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, technically such an impressive Muppet. You know, she's all willowy and wispy and like you can the texture and, you know, but yeah, she's She's in a she's in a tank of water. Oh, got it. That's so cool. Yep. Um, I like how the kind of Muppet logic of of Gonzo just grappling, hooking Scrooge's shoe or whatever. And just like. (laughs) He's able to go like. He's able to time travel with <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. I just uh, love the. I love that he does it. He does the whole show of it and throws it. And then Rizzo's like, he's just holding the rope. And Rizzo's like, what are you doing? And he's like, nothing. And then they just <laughs> just take <laughs> off. <laughs> no, they're and they're great. I guess you know, in the decade, I guess, and in, in, in the last like ten years or so. Specifically, Gonzo and Rizzo in this movie have become sort of a like symbol for like the domestic queer couple and have really been like cherished of like, if, you know, this is me and my partner. If, if it's not this, I don't want it. <laughs> me and and, like, yeah, yeah. And all those all of their interactions are just so like a couple that has been together for like 20, 30 years, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I love the, you could have walked between this, those bars this entire time. Yeah. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. And they just, what? yeah. Kisses his nose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's another, going back to like, that feels like the decision an actor makes, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Of just like, like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to defuse this guy by going, <laughs> That was yeah. a uh that was a that whole bit was uh written because that is legitimately Dave Goals and Steve Whitmire's relationship is that Dave Goals uh. is constantly calling Steve Whitmire an idiot. <laughs> but they love each other. They're like best fr- they're like best buds. Um uh-huh. so that was That's like great. a little that was like a little reference to their their uh behind the muppet relationship. It's so cute. I love it yeah. so That's- much. <laughs> That's awesome. And you know, we've I don't know. I, I found myself thinking about Jim Henson's ambitions as a puppeteer and how he was always trying to like push the limit and mm-hmm. do things that, you know, push the boundaries of what the public thought puppetry was capable of. And, as opposed to his son who pushed the envelope. Envelope. Uh, just like, oh, no, a Donald Trump Muppet. What's he going to yeah. say? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know Does that Muppet have a dick? Oh, my God. I've Whoa. never seen anything like it. Oh, no. That's not. This isn't your daddy's Muppets. <laughs> Brian Hansen. Brianson. But, like, I don't know. I was thinking this this watch through of, like, this movie kind of pushed the boundaries of, like, perf- Muppet performance. Mm-hmm. Like, how small and how specific and human you can get out of these characters, you know? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get, we'll keep going. But uh, speaking of Scott, you mentioned great one-off Muppets, and this movie's full of them. Uh, the cat Muppet that chases Rizzo around. Oh, yeah. That's a good Muppet. Ter- terrific. When he hits the wall and just, like, peels back. Oh, yeah. That's really good. I love that. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, turning in an amazing performance is Sam the Eagle as the headmaster. Oh, Sam yep. Eagle. 
And that amazing joke of like, that's the American way. And then he's handed a note. That's the British way. (laughs) Coming Um, hot off his other great, his other greatest joke, um, a salute to all nations, but mostly America. I, (laughs) yes, I, but I love, so I love that they're there, that Sam the Eagle is the only person who breaks character in this movie. He's the only actor in the movie that breaks character. Because he kind of, he kind of like, what the hell? Who was that? Yeah. Right. But, but also, but also he says American instead of yeah, British. Yeah, yeah. You know, he yeah. breaks character. <laughs> Whereas Rizzo, I I believe I truly believe the intention for Rizzo that he has no idea that he's in a movie. <laughs> like he's not playing a character. He's just he's just Rizzo when he showed up on set and all of a sudden Gonzo starts acting like Charles Dickens and he just rolls with it. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, I guess so. All right. <laughs> Because <laughs> he introduces himself as Rizzo the Rat, like he's credited as Rizzo, <laughs> yeah, Rizzo as, as himself. himself. <laughs> Gonzo on the, is like on the T Public site. We need Rizzo the Rat as himself. <laughs> yes, absolutely. that's good. Um, uh, credit to the young actor playing young, or both act, both young actors playing young Scrooge. Uh, they're doing good work. I've told Scott this before. One of my favorite, like, I don't know if this is an ADR joke, but like. It's a super minor like scene transition jokes is when they're about to jump forward in time. And then you just hear Sam be like, remember, don't tip the driver. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, we then we go to old Fozzie Wigs rubber chicken, in fact, factory. <laughs> I love that's I think that's my favorite line reading by Michael Caine in the entire yeah. movie is him just being like, That's old fizzy, f- fizzy f- Fozzie old Wigs. Fozzie Wigs. Uh, that's old Fozzie Wigs uh, rubber rubber chicken factory. And just with so much earnestness of it's just so like the good. idea that there would need to be a rubber chicken factory. Like, and it, he worked it, there. And he worked there <laughs> for years. And and he, he worked there and he was successful enough to have elaborate Christmas parties. <laughs> <laughs> it's so flippin' funny to me. Oh. It is such Muppet logic. And Michael Caine, just the consummate professional, just nails it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, I am um, obsessed with Janice's little bonnet in this. She looks so cute. Mm-hmm. Like you barely, barely, you barely notice that it's Janice because the bonnet's so big. Uh-huh. But it just it's like we have no idea. Janice does not look. Janice looks like she was created in the seventies. Yeah, <laughs> I also love that Floyd's like seventies haircut like fits right in in the in the eighteen hundreds. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, you know, you get that lovely little, you know, uh, Rolf cameo, cameo where he's playing the piano and he kind of looks at the camera like, I can't talk right now, but I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's uh, that's this is also the scene where we get young Marley and Marley, which is the first time we've ever seen young Statler and Waldorf. Yeah, um, which is which is crazy to see uh, a and B. It made me realize something about Christmas Carol adaptations and the Christmas Carol story in general, which is we're told how the the relationship, this sort of business partnership that Scrooge has with Jacob Marley. But at no point do we ever have a scene in Christmas Carol where Jacob Marley is alive. Like I've always wondered about that. It's sure, very yeah. strange. It's a, it's almost like uh like at some point Charles Dickens just forgot about Jacob Marley. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's kind of like that is kind of what a great adaptation does. They're like, oh, you know what? If we do, if we had this little thing, it kind of like recontextualizes like where they were in his life. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, um, man. Uh, you dancing fool. That's a, <laughs> I was thinking about that. They're another very like, I know. I just like how, how they approve of each other, but they're so comfortable around each other. Statler and Waldorf, you know, they really are each other's person. <laughs> I've often said when someone gives a speech at like a, a oh yeah or something like that, like it was mm-hmm. it was dumb. It was something. It was short. We loved it. I yeah. I love that line so much. I, I I think about that line like every time I see like a bad short movie. Uh-huh. Like, oh, it was short. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Mom, Mrs. Fozziewig, great great Muppet design. Uh huh. Just kind of a taller Fozzie in a bonnet. Have you, uh, Nick? I know. I'm sure Scott has seen it. Nick, have you seen the Muppets go to Walt Disney World? I don't think so. She she plays a big part. She goes to Disney World with Fozzie. Oh, okay. Mozzie. Mama <laughs> yeah. Fozzie. I think that was the last time Jim performed. I think so. Muppets. Was that think was so. that Walt Disney special? Yeah. Pretty sure. It was either that or uh what do you call it? Uh Muppet Vision. Muppet Vision. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember but, which was shot second. Yeah. Um, but you yeah. also Nick, you also get to see Miss Piggy strapped into Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, and it's really fun. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. yeah. And you also it, get to see Kermit shoot a Nazi. It, I mean, it's it's worth watching, because it literally is just a Muppet special where the Muppets go to Disney World. Like, that's... Oh, great. It's, it's yeah. yeah, it's great. It's really great, actually. Gonzo and Camilla sing a song about laundry. <laughs> yeah. Don't they, and they reunite with Charles Grodin, right? Charles Grodin has, like, a runner throughout the whole they thing. They do. Yeah. Uh, Nice. Yeah, so uh, we uh, go forward a little bit more in time, where uh, Scrooge Ebenezer is courting uh, Belle, Fan's his sister, who isn't in this one. I just thought about that. Normally, Scrooge has a sister named Fan, because that's Fred's mom. Anyway, uh, have either of you ever seen the Christmas the version of this movie with the song that uh, Belle has? Yeah, I watched yeah, it today. Yeah. That's not the version that's on Disney Plus. Yes, so it is. It's, oh, it is. You, you go in the special Plus. features. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not like in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. It is yes. in the movie. Like there's a oh, you, there's you, there's you an extended cut, cut with... with that in the special features. Okay. You can watch the whole yes. movie with that song where it's supposed to be. Well, I didn't do that. And no. this was the no. version of the movie Fair. that I knew because I had it on VHS with it. Yeah. Like okay, so with the song, and as a, as a young kid, I typically skipped over it because it was slow and kind of boring. But yeah. like, I mean, <laughs> look, I don't give Jeffrey Kratzenberg a lot of credit, <laughs> <laughs> but he was right about this one. <laughs> um, he was, you know, it. He was he was right. He was right. Um, you know, they put it back in the VHS release. You know, so. You know, it's not like he removed it forever, but like for the theatrical release, he was like, kids are going to get antsy. There's no Muppets here. This woman is singing this. No one knows who she is. She showed up five minutes ago. Like, and now she's singing a song, singing a solo. Like, we should just cut this. We don't need it. Um, And he was not wrong. uh, I I, I think he is. He is right to a certain extent, but I do. I do appreciate having the song in there because it is referenced later in the movie. Yeah. With when love is found. And I'm like, you can't have the love is found without the love is gone. 
<laughs> you yeah. know, it's like there's no payoff there at that point. That's true. Yeah. Um, um, that's to say nothing of the uh, the the song at the end of the credits. The the in the oh yeah the st- the, the pop- yeah in, in the style of of all movies in the '90s had one of these like an adult contemporary cover of a song from the movie <laughs> in like the Michael closing Bolton. credits. Yeah, uh, we need yeah. to do that again. <laughs> yeah, even Mask of the Phantasm has an adult contemporary. Hell, yeah, song it does <laughs> in the closing credits. Good for it. <laughs> That's what Barbie needed was like an adult contemporary cover of I'm Just Ken. Sung by like <laughs> yeah. Ed Sheeran or something. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so Scrooge is like, God, I'm sad as fuck now, man. Christmas, Christmas present Pat is like, ghost of the ghost of Christmas past is like, hey, man, don't blame me. It's your life. <laughs> yeah. And he meets ghost of Christmas present. Mm-hmm. Who's a big, scary, bearded man? Yep. Uh, who, as time goes on, okay. So, oh, so something I I really liked about this story, a, a Christmas Carol, and I, I appreciate that this movie adapts is sort of the loose, spooky mythology of the spirits. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Ghost of Christmas Pass has a line where she says, "I've been alive eighteen hundred years," which is like such a specific number. Mm-hmm. And as as a kid, it would turn my imagination on being like, wait, so what happened before that? Or like, who created you? Um, <laughs> well, well, the, well, the, suge- the suggestion is that there was no Christmas before Jesus. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I, was like, like, with, I was like, I hope Nick figures this out true. on the air. I'm going to let him <laughs> figure like, it out. Okay, like, no, he didn't. Scott's got it. Or like with, uh, or like with present where he's like, I have over 1,800 siblings and I only am alive for a day. And I age, you know, I'm like, where, where do these guys come from? Like, <laughs> what's their order? What are their rules? Like, who made them? And, it's like the League of Evil Exes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I wasn't crazy about the Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell movie last year where they turned it into like Monsters, Inc. or whatever. Um, Wait, and I what? Think maybe that's. Is that the one spirited. that's on Apple TV Plus? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's a job. We do this every year. Oh, no. Uh, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> for, yeah. So Scrooge, me. I, I, there's such a great, beautiful moment that Michael Caine has where he's starting to vibe with present, mm-hmm. where they're like joking back and forth, like I have over eighteen siblings, and Scrooge is like, must be a heck of a Imagine grocery, grocery bill. bills. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, don't you love, don't you fucking love Christmas? And you can see Scrooge is like, oh man, I'm embarrassed that I have to tell him that I don't because I'm Ebenezer Scrooge. And right. Just clocking the journey that he is going on across all three of these experiences is, is is really cool. Yeah, yeah. He he really vibes with present big time. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? He's so charming. Like, <laughs> it is this the best song in the movie? Um, it feels like Christmas. Uh, yeah. To me, it is. I think it is. It, I think uh, one more sleep till Christmas is close. But mm-hmm. this song is just you can't help it. You can't help but just be happy and yep. i want to just like vibe in that that muppet that little mini muppet set with all those people like i it, i will so say nice. i will say like you know comparing the two movies that paul williams did right i think that you know i think these songs are much more integrated as a musical um into like the narrative 
right? Than the first one, which was like a series of like pop songs that were like related to what was going on. So you can listen to all of them out of the context of the movie and you still get like the full experience of the song, I think mostly um, in a Muppet movie. I But I do think that like this and One More Sleep to Christmas are the two that you can strip from the context of this movie and just listen to and be like, yeah, that's a jam. Um, Absolutely. That's just, a, that's just a Christmas jam, you know? Uh, Thankful Heart, I'm, I'm a fan of as well. Mm-hmm. Since the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's in the singing of a street corner choir. It's going home and snorting yay by the fire. Uh, but Scrooge <laughs> is a banger, too. God damn, Scrooge is good. Scrooge is a banger. Yeah. Scrooge is uh, a fucking banger. <laughs> and there's such a, this is a great moment. It's just famous where Present is doing the limited kind of dancing he can do in his Muppet body. And Scrooge, Michael Caine, is so delighted by it that he starts like mimicking it. And they're kind it's of like so jamming. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. It is the cutest effing thing. Michael Caine yeah. just delivers every step of this movie. Ugh. Yeah. Should have been nominated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think if I produced the Oscars every year, I would just hide some Muppets in the background, just like taking up seats. If I produced, if I produced the 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 Oscars, I would just have the Muppets host every year. <laughs> Absolutely. It's <laughs> where they belong. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Imagine a Billy Crystal that never ages, and there's the yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, they go to they go to Fred and Mrs. Fred's house. Uh, genuinely can't remember her name. Um, it's bumming yeah. me out. Emily, but I really Emily. Speaking of, uh, so like uh, uh, another thing that I like was reminded of about uh, Dickens' story is like, and what Michael Caine really nails in the scene is he's watching these friends play fun Christmas games, and he's like, "Oh, fun! I want to be part of it." And they're like, "Hey, you know who's a real son of a bitch? Ebenezer Scrooge." <laughs> Just gets roasted. <laughs> and he's Clara. Clara, by the way. Clara. Yeah. Clara. Great, great, great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... And then I love that he gets roasted and he's so sad. And then like present just starts leading him away. And he's like, but did you hear that? They just roasted the shit out of me. Like he's so upset. <laughs> it just poor Scrooge. He just like he's like getting into the game. He's like, oh, I want to yeah. play. Like, I want to guess. Yeah. And then just Boom! Just right <laughs> yeah. to a brick wall. Oh God, it's and I so brutal. Yeah. What resonates to me about this story and why I think it's been around for centuries now is like there is kind of this primal human wish fulfillment I concept of like you know even now with the people that we have in our society, whether it's like Donald Trump or like all these horrible people, it's like God, if only they could get visited by three ghosts and get a Christmas mm. carol is mm. the concept of if, if you could put Elon Musk in a room and with a bunch of people being like, Hey, you know, who's the biggest jag off in, in the entire world is Elon Musk. What a maroon, what a dumbass is like the fantasy, I guess, is that they would feel shame kind of similar right. to what Scrooge feels is like, Oh, this is my legacy. This is how they think of me outside of my walls wow, I don't like the way that feels. Maybe I should re-examine how I'm living my life and change a little bit, you know? Yeah, that is, that is a dream. Uh, Bethany and I discussed that while we were watching this. We Exactly the same thing of, like, who is yeah, Ebenezer yeah. Scrooge now? And it's those people. And I was like, yeah, 
But if this happened to any of them, they would try to figure out a way to monetize the ghosts. Like they would be like, yeah. how, can, "How can we turn this into an attraction that I can make money off of?" Um, that's all they would be thinking the whole time. Yeah. They would just not even maybe, be listening to what's going and on. And maybe that also is something that is that the scope of the story kind of favors is that this isn't like the leader of a country. It's just like right. some dude who ruins everyone in his town's life. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Monetized Ghost yeah. is my favorite emo album. <laughs> uh, watching Ooh. Present Age is heartbreaking. It yes. is. He yeah. It's <laughs> happened so fastly. Just like getting gray and just yeah. Oh, because yeah. you love him so much. Here for a good time, not for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Oh, I'm there's nothing. Into Christmas lights. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, every time you see Christmas lights, think of me. It's me. <laughs> I'm conscious. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> um. Oh. Oh my God. Okay. So I can't believe I forgot. Okay. So before that happens, before Christmas present fades into nothingness, uh-huh. uh, we meet the Cratchits. Oh yeah. I was about yes. to say we have not talked about the Cratchits at all. And yeah. God, so great. Okay. So. Another like just line reading that just lives in my head rent free all year long is uh, when Rob, when one of the sons is pushing the crank on the turkey. And he's like, it's he's like so one of those little mother. popcorn machines at Disneyland. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Piggy's like, it does, doesn't it? And then like kind of <laughs> smiling at the mirror, just peak Piggy in this movie. Yeah, really good Piggy, really really good. Um, love okay. the daughters. Have either of you listened to the commentary for? Muppet Christmas Carol before the audio commentary. I have not. Oh my God, you guys. Okay. I will implore you if you own this to listen (laughs) to it at some point, Uh, because the commentary is Brian Henson with Kermit Gonzo and Rizzo in like in character. It's them like doing commentary with their director, Brian Henson. Oh my God. (laughs) And, and, and there's the moment in this, where where Kermit says Kermit says like, uh, you know like yeah I I, I you know I, I love working with Piggy and uh, I love that she's my wife in this movie and he and and Brian Henson goes in this movie he he's like yes in this movie <laughs> in the movie <laughs> she is my wife in the movie <laughs> like it's just <laughs> very adamant that like it's just in the movie that they're married <laughs> they're I, I mean there's an a married episode, couple. I, I just watched an episode fairly recently where piggy got fired from the muppet show because she was spreading rumors in a tabloid that they had secretly gotten married so yeah it's it's a long time coming yeah, I bet recording a commentary as a Muppet's so relaxing. You don't have to, you know, you're, you can do it for hours. You're, you're not moving your body at all. You're not having to oh, stay wow. in one I position. Oh, wow. I just imagine them all still. <laughs> no, you're no, bringing the arms. puppet. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's no way the puppet isn't sitting on their, on, like, they can't. <laughs> I, I truly believe. <laughs> That's true. That, That's that, I truly believe that those puppeteers cannot be those characters without their hand in that puppet. Right, it's not like Hank Azaria where you can just do mo on it. Yeah, a talk they're not show. voiceover actors, so like okay. I truly believe the mic is in front of them, but on their lap is the puppet. I I think it's the only okay. way. Okay, oh, yeah, that's, that's my that's my guess. Um, but yeah, it's a great commentary because they're all in character and they're just. Oh, I love that. They're the best. <laughs> um, 
and like yeah uh we get bless us all uh which is just i mean the cratchits are really like the soul of why i think this movie is something i come back to every year and why it's something i like watching with my family is i kind of see my own family in these like just really innocent but ridiculous fucking like family of pigs and frogs (laughs) Uh (laughs) that are just so wholesome but then also are dealing with something very heavy and very real which is like a a member of their family that is debilitatively sick and needs certain provisions and circumstances to make sure that they're like as comfortable as they can be yeah um uh, another uh... good song I, it is a good sign. I'm glad, though, that they went the direction of uh, uh, Piggy and Kermit having frogs and pig piglets um, rather than going oh. the route that they did in uh, in, in uh, Great Muppet Caper, which is the, the horrifying the, hybrid. The horrifying <laughs> f- hybrid father Bear of, frog. of of, of uh, twin brothers, Fozzie and Kermit. I, I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> amazing um and there's i don't know there's a part where he's like wait spirit is is tiny tim gonna live and my first thought was like well no like that's a no i mean none of us are gonna live what is that what's that supposed to mean like yes okay he's gonna um wow uh yeah uh sorry that's that's peeking in my head um so yeah okay (laughs) yeah yeah i'm fine uh so president, yeah, president fades away into nothingness, and then he's left with uh, the really formidable. You know, I like the silhouette. I like how big he is. Future. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They didn't try to re- reinvent the will, and I appreciate it. There's something about the texture of his cloak that is mm-hmm. the way it shimmers and catches the wind has yeah. always fascinated me. I want to touch that fabric. I I also like that his. When you look into his hood, it it has this sort of swirly effect. Uh, like his cloak has like a swirly effect around like uh-huh. the blackness at the center. Uh, uh, and and then he also like the way he travels through time is like a portal that they step through. Like I just like the visuals of like those things matching. For sure, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of for cool. sure. Uh, the spirit leads uh, Ebenezer through the not too distant future of his street. Where he sees people like heckling this dead, you know, miserable dead guy, or it's like, what an asshole he was. Oh, I wish he died sooner. Um, I had just constantly of... getting roasted in this movie. Um... <laughs> yeah. Uh, man, imagine like going to a funeral or like a wake and just seeing like two Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> They're not doing anything. They're mourning. You know, like I, I don't know. I just I pictured like. At my own wake, at my own funeral, just like a bear with a tie, kind of like, ugh, like tapping my <laughs> casket. <laughs> like, what a great oh, life that man. would be. <laughs> he was a good guy. <laughs> or I liked him. <laughs> it's like a cabbage on a chair. <laughs> Nick. Uh, oh uh, man, the uh, 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 the the grapes that like the the Swedish chef yeah. reveals. So yeah, scary. Sure. Those are really creepy. <laughs> Those grapes are really creepy. The talking grapes. Great. Thanks um, for yeah. Thank you for. Yeah. We almost missed that. Just you um, know, you reminded me with the produce. The, the no, definitely produce. Definitely. <laughs> uh, oh, the part where the the guy's like stealing the cabbage and he goes, "Hey, stealing me! I'm being stolen." <laughs> yes, <is> so good. <laughs> 
But I just... Uh, a, a fruit that has a life of its own, that has its own ability to speak, does it matter to it if it's be- if it's eaten by the person who steals him or or eats right. him, like or purchases him legitimately? Like, well, at least I was paid for. At least I'm helping move the machine. <laughs> <laughs> what a nightmare! Oh, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah. Uh, so he's like, "Hey, I don't want to see this man. Can I see something like more tender?" And the ghost is like, "I'll give you tender." Cut to the Cratchits, uh, and like, kind of going back to. I really appreciate and admire how Brian Henson and this team were not afraid to let these characters show different emotions and act different scenes. And they, because, you know, we cut to the Cratchits and we see Piggy crying in a corner mm-hmm. and her daughters being like, oh, mother, mother. And like, you know, don't, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry. And like Frank Oz as Miss Piggy is having to like be Miss Piggy and act. As like a mother trying to hide her tears from her other children because she's mourning the death of her youngest son. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, and as Scott said at the beginning, this isn't like spoofified or, you know, jokeified to make it more Muppety. They're like, no, these are performers. We are puppeteers. Henson always believed that anything animation and live action can do, you can do with puppetry. So we are going to tell this scene earnestly. It, yeah. It, it's so much better for it. Like yeah. it, it is, yeah. it is heart wrenching. It is so sad and so upsetting, but it it is a better movie for it. Mm-hmm. It rules. Yeah, like uh, all ev- all the time. I mean, a, a line that just like lives in my head rent free is when they're at the table and Kermit is like Kermit the Frog is like you know life is a series of 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 like comings and partings. And we will never forget Tiny Tim and this first loss that was among us. And mm. that to me is like another like really intrinsic part of like why Christmas is a special holiday for me is every year I'm like, okay, I like who is still with us and who is not with us. And, you know, I'm very fortunate, you know, time of recording, my siblings are still alive. My parents are still alive. But every year I kind of look around at the table and I'm like, wow, it isn't always going to be this group of people. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that. And that kind of is what makes every Christmas such like a, like, holy shit, like we did it, (laughs) you know, we're alive. And I think this movie kind of weirdly gets to the heart of that part of this time of year for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Being like a a frog and a pig. (laughs) Right. So this, the story gets happier, right? (laughs) Uh, I'm all bummed out. (laughs) So he sees his grave and he's like, Oh, no, you know, it's just like very human of like, you know, you think you are ready. You think you know the deal. But then when you're like literally inching towards your own gravestone, I just like how bargainy he gets of like, you know, a man, a life can change, you know, and that's another like, oh, God. Yeah, like that's like the story in a nutshell is like this plight that Scrooge has or like, is it too late? (laughs) Have I been a bastard for too long? And it's kind of another cool thing about the movie. And like, well, the kind of the catharsis you get is like, he wakes up, it's Christmas morning. He accosts that, that little rabbit. And he's like, what, what day is it? And he goes, it's Christmas day. And he's like, Oh, it's personal. And the idea of like, yeah, even like this old asshole that maybe has like 10 years of his life left, even he can turn it around and be a gift to his community and like be a, a gift to his friends and make his life better. You know, good for him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, good for him. Um, so I really, I, I know I mentioned it earlier, but that like this whole like this whole wrapping up segment where he's like going around and making good on all the shit that he's done wrong. Mm-hmm. I him getting that scar from Beaker. Yeah. Like it is just the sweetest like performance I've ever seen. The kindest, warmest, most beautiful performance and it's literally this puppet that is normally just abused to the verge of death <laughs> is handing him a little tiny muppet-sized scarf. And I cry. And I'm yeah. like fighting tears right now just describing it. Which is yeah. the idea of like the silliest Muppet possible having the most warm, big, big hearted moment of the movie. This <laughs> is such a cool yeah. concept. And seeing seeing Michael Caine just seeing in his eyes a gift and he says, A gift for me? And he takes it and puts it on and it's Wow. Wow, 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 wow. What an incredible movie yeah. this is. Because it's like, yeah. oh, like I am worthy of getting love just as much as I am now capable of giving it out to people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also, I think it's also him realizing what what you get in return for being mm-hmm. caring and charitable, right? Is like you get you get what you give. And I don't think that's anything that he's understood his thought process was always it it literally is like i get what i give but he's talking about money and i like i'm gonna give you this money but i better get it back motherfucker i'm breaking your legs you know like that's that's more what his thought process was and he wasn't thinking about it in terms of of charity that like yeah you know you give love and you get love um he was thinking of it much more transactional yeah. I mean, Dad, yeah. to quote another Paul Williams song, you know, you're going to be remembered for the things that you say and do. You give a little love and it all comes back to you. Yeah. From Muggsy sure. or Bugsy Malone. I don't know. The weird one where the the gangsters are all played by eight year olds. <laughs> I've never seen that. Um, a concept this movie introduces that I find fucking fascinating and heartbreaking is... This movie introduces the concept of old Muppets. Scrooge returns. Scrooge visits the nursing home and meets old Fozzywig and old headmaster. And we get the glorious sight of like old white haired Fozzie. Yeah. I I find myself sad every time I see that. Honestly. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) The idea that these creatures age. Yeah. <laughs> it's upsetting. And then yeah. it it brings us, of course, it sets a precedent that goes on in Muppets Haunted Mansion with of course. Uh, Nightmare Gonzo. Ups the that, uh, Oh, I hate him so much. But no, like the idea of like working on my on my desk and then like my phone getting an alert and I just see like from Guardian, like Fozzie Bear eighty six passes away peacefully in his home no. in Florida. <laughs> Nick, no, <laughs> I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> let you put that out there. Uh, yeah. Every, now that we've the... seen old man Fozzie and old man Gonzo, I just, I just, I never want to see old man Kermit or old lady 
Miss Piggy. Keep that to oh, yourselves, guys. I never want to see either of those. Old man ever. Kermit. I never want to see that. They had to have that. done it at some point. Like they have a, like like Piggy's never had like a fantasy where she imagines them like on rocking chairs, like being old. <laughs> no, only as babies. That's that, <laughs> yeah. she only imagines in reverse. <laughs> right. That sounds right. She's she's look, she's totally normal. Everything's fine up there. <laughs> Nothing to worry about. No reason to go to therapy. <laughs> oh, that would be a crazy episode. Like Sunny, when they all go to therapy. Yeah. Like the Muppets. Yeah. Gets to go to, go to go to like go to Dr. Melfi's office. Yeah. I would love to see Muppet Group Therapy. That would be fun. Muppet Group Therapy. <laughs> uh Rip, we've been doing this thing uh we, at the end of the show where we ask our guests if they have any kind of like Muppet adaptation ideas or like Muppet revival ideas. Maybe Muppet Revival, the Stephen King novel. <laughs> oh no, no. <laughs> oh my god. Nick. Uh, <laughs> I'm just coming up with cursed images. I, I, no, I'm today. sorry. If you, I know you don't, you you don't read a lot of Stephen King, or if any, uh, but like revival is literally the darkest ending in any Stephen King book. <laughs> period. And so the idea of the Muppets being involved in that is truly the most horrifying thing I could possibly imagine. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I had this idea years ago that I would, I really, really would kill for. Um, What I want from a Muppets project, I want the Muppets to have a Broadway show where we are seeing the Muppets put on a Broadway show. So we see big performances with like, you know, Muppets, you know, classic style like Muppets taking a a classic song and like recontextualizing it in a silly way but on top of that we're also getting the behind the scenes stuff like maybe like the stage turns around and we see like Kermit at his stage managing station at his desk Uh, but then on top of that we you get a rotating band of celebrities that will just okay they're going to do two weeks of the Muppet show Lady Gaga is going to be on and she's going to sing uh, you know, a couple of her songs, and then they'll in- integrate her into something. And I know it's something that will never happen because it's just it would. I think it would just take be too many moving pieces. But I want that show so bad. Okay, a show. Yes, like a live yeah. show that you can go see. Oh, yes, I see, I see. Okay, okay, okay. Like, oh, like hello on Broadway, live in yeah. a Broadway theater show that you can go see week, yeah. like day after day. And then, like I said, like Gaga will do two weeks. Uh, yeah, you know, Adina Menzel. Yes, yeah. and they're like, and of course, like anytime you go, you are going to see, you're going to see rainbow connection. Like that's going to be like the big finale number. You'll see like some of the classics, you'll see the Muppet show theme, but the big thing is who's going to be doing the Muppet show. And what could be cool is you may not know when you buy your tickets, who you're going to get to see that day. Oh, you so like, I bought bought my ticket six months in advance and I get there and Oh, oh, Taylor Swift is performing this week. You know, I think that would be incredible. 
if Kermit's like, with musical guest, Heim! Yay! Like, oh, <laughs> fuck, okay. <laughs> uh, the other thing, the other thing I want to throw out there, just because it's a, a theme park, this throwback, uh, there's <laughs> this thing that they did last Christmas at Disneyland where they had a caroling, like, double layer bus where yeah. like, Muppets went around caroling. And it was just effing brilliant it was just so cool seeing muppets driving around in a little two-layer bus uh singing christmas songs and i'm like why aren't we doing that every day of the year let miss piggy sing let it go on main street like that that writes itself it's so easy yeah wow absolutely yeah like i would do i would go see that show every single day (laughs) yeah I would have if I was at the park and I wouldn't have been because it was like an extra ticket price uh, right. in order to get into that Christmas party that they were doing the Muppet thing for. Um, but if I was there and I saw that in person, I would have just openly weeped like a five year old child. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it would have been it would have been bad to like just because you're because uh, Nick, it is the actual Muppets like poking out of a double layer at the top of the double layer bus and the bus breaks down in front of you and they do a little skits and then they sing another song while they're fixing the bus and then they get the bus going and then it drives up down the road and then it breaks down again and like a new like a new group down the road gets to see the the sketches again um wow. that's how it works but it's actual muppets it's not like a screen with yeah. like pre-recorded stuff it's live muppet performers being Kermit wow. and Piggy and Fozzie and Gonzo and everybody um it was crazy it was crazy. And it's That's insane crazy. that we do not have that every day of the week just singing yeah. Disney classics. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And like the Mupp like a Skeksis comes out one time. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Bus is broken. Oh no. <laughs> uh <laughs> uh Well, Ripper, it's always great having you on the show. <laughs> talking muppets yeah uh any any closing thoughts on muppet christmas carol <sighs> y'all just this muppet this movie is just so so good and so like it is strange to me that we are not getting a movie like this every single year out of disney i, I i'm surprised that they that no one has tried to make the to do more of the wishbone style storytelling movies. I'm surprised that they aren't doing more things like this, but yeah. I hope, I hope maybe we can get back to that. Maybe we can do some more better Muppet stuff, but what's, what's the next adaptation you would want them to do next adaptation. Honestly, I think it's, I, I, th- I think classic Disney stories is where they need to go. Like not even oh. just, uh, Muppets are not just Star Wars, not just Marvel. I think give us Beauty and the Beast. Mm. With, like give like, us Mupp- like little Muppet Mermaid, Aladdin, Muppet Aladdin, mm. and I think that I think those would be bangers. Yeah, hmm. I'm surprised there's never been like a Sherlock Holmes, like a Muppet Sherlock Holmes, like Gonzo is Sherlock Holmes, Rizzo. Oh, that'd is, be cute. Yeah, I think about that all the time. Um I think about that all the time. I, I I feel like I feel like Fozzie would be uh Sherlock. No, no, the the assistant. Um Oh, Watson. Watson. I feel like I feel like Fozzie has big Watson energy. 
Ah, waka waka. Yeah, <laughs> kind of thinking, stroking his chin. Yeah, I feel like Kermit would be like the the um the inspector that like hires. Oh, him. Lestrade. Yeah, he'd be uh-huh. Lestrade. I feel like Kermit would be Lestrade, and Gonzo would be Sherlock. I feel like that makes sense. Benedict Cumberbatch as a human Sherlock Holmes surrounded by Muppets would be pretty funny, though. <laughs> that is true. Um. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <sighs> Rip, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having Happy me. Happy to have Glad you. to be back. Yeah, of course. Uh, Scott, next week we set sail, right? We do. Oh. High seas. Uh, Muppet Treasure Island, a movie I have seen one time in my entire life. So crazy. Wow. Yeah. Kind of. We're kind of reversing roles a little bit next week. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, I. I just. Um, I don't remember if I. I don't even remember the when I saw it. I think I saw it at home. And, uh, yeah, I just didn't like pirates aren't really like pirates. That's not really my thing. It's never been my thing. And so mm. it just didn't do much for me when I was a kid. And so I just never, never got around to rewatching it. So I'm actually excited to watch it next week because it's like, it's going to feel like getting a new Muppet movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so hopefully, you know, listeners have been following us along and been enjoying the ride so far. Hop on the discord. Uh, what Stephen King novel do you think should get the Muppet treatment? Yeah, let us know. The Shining, let us know. The Shining, good. <laughs> um, I've long said, I've long said a uh, a uh, a horror masterpiece anthology of uh, Muppet Dracula, Muppet Frankenstein, and Muppet Muppet Jekyll and Hyde, and you just Ooh. you do you do each one in like forty minute segments. Um, the Muppet oh. of the Black Lagoon, yeah. Uh, no, because that's not a literature classic. Uh, literature only. Got it. <laughs> Hunchback the, of Notre Dame. The, Mupp- the Muppet of Notre Dame. Oh, no. <laughs> There's too many. I don't know. There's, <laughs> I don't know about the vibes in that. I. It's the questionable that the why they made that into a Disney movie, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> that's very uh, fair. <laughs> 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 oh, so... Anyway, all right, next week, Muppet Treasure Island. Bye-bye, everybody. It's in the singing of a street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. It's true wherever you find love. It feels like Christmas. It's true wherever you find love. It feels like Christmas. Like crazy.